The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. This is episode 401, and the guest is Matt from Cryptopsy, also of Vox and Hops Podcast. So you know we had some beers, you know we got into just whatever we got into. That is the joy of podcasting with fellow podcasters. We just kind of go, and sometimes we get into a little bit of uh, how the sausage is made, and to me, I think it's it's kind of intriguing. Um, you know, previously when I had released the episode with Matt and myself, it was really just a Vox and Hops episode that had me on it. And while it was super great, I don't feel like I kind of really got to know Matt. You know, I asked some questions uh, throughout our conversation, but this is more, I think, in line with what uh, my show is. And it's not too far <laughs> removed uh, from Vox and Hops and the fact that Matt and I both are uh, fans of beer, although I will definitely say Matt is one of those people who, when I say, like, I love crap beer and, like, I will drink all kinds of beer and all this kind of stuff, Matt takes it to, like, the nth level uh, with his knowledge of hops and knowledge of you know, different breweries and regional beers and so forth and uh, really kind of coming into his own from a, a, a brewing standpoint even of just wouldn't it be cool if we did this or if we got breweries to make something based around this flavor profile. And while I definitely have some of those tendencies as well and ideas, uh, I just, I guess I would say by comparison, I don't have the gumption uh, that Matt has to to get all these projects off the ground and do it. And I mean, Matt is one of those people, whenever I, I see the Vox and Hops pages uh, posting about the collabs that they're doing, or as I love hearing Matt say it with his very Canadian accent at times, the collabs, um, it is a thing where... I just don't know how this dude has any time to do anything because it's like trying to work with, you know, even the release that like they did, uh, I think it was about a year ago now, um, where they were doing, they did one with Speciation Ales uh, here in Grand Rapids, uh, but I think it was 40 breweries across the country. 
uh, in, in Canada as well that were all doing something for a Vox and Hops drop. Uh, but it was a collab between a lot of bands that were local to kind of the area uh, with with everything. And I just remember being like, I don't know how you like were able to contact everybody. Like, you know, I've talked about when I went to do the um, – no save point documentary on run the jewels, making the no save point beer around the time of the pandemic, uh, right when we were in the throes of it. Um, and I had an idea to do kind of a documentary about the story of a band that was merging all these different communities together and all this kind of stuff. And there was only 12, technically 11. Uh, there were, I think 12 beers, 11 beers, 12 breweries. One of them was a collab between two different breweries that were very close to each other in proximity. Um, but it was really hard even just kind of trying to get the ball rolling on that. And I wasn't dealing with nearly as many moving parts. So um, throw in the fact that, you know, he's got kids, that he's, you know, homeschool teacher uh, for his kids and somehow still finds time to, to do these wild, you know, Vox and Hops beer collabs and all this kind of stuff. It is uh, truly a testament to, I think, obviously his work ethic, uh, his drive and his uh, passion for things that he is passionate about uh, and expanding and giving back to these communities that he's been such a huge fan of and a part of. And I mean, how do you not get inspired when you see someone like that? Um, but I kind of realized as you know, I listened to the podcast and even though I feel like at times you get to know someone from listening to their show, I still feel like there's a little bit of a difference when you finally have that person on your own show and you're able to kind of ask more direct questions that you have wondered. And it's one of those where I think a lot of, for me, it was kind of just, you know, I guess because I had just reached episode 400 and, or at the time I was about to reach it and, you know, all the work that went into it and thinking how Matt hit the milestone shortly before me and just thinking about like the fatigue at times and the burnout and trying to fit it into your life in addition to a normal job or whatever. And to me, it just is one of those where I would want to know since I think he is a very busy person uh, and someone that stays so goal oriented and so motivated to do stuff. It's like, do you ever feel the fatigue? Do you ever feel the burnout? And obviously it being music based, do you ever kind of fall out of love with music? Um, and I know that's a really weird thing to say, but it's something I wanted to explore because it's it's what I've gone through. And it's something I wanted to find out if there are others like myself who are actually going through this or if I'm kind of the anomaly. Um, I know it's a really weird take sometimes when you're, you're listening to two podcast people who do something because they wanted to. And you're like, oh, God, this thing became way bigger than I ever thought it was. It became a burden for X reason or Y, y reason. And but I think it makes it human because I think it's what ultimately allows us to understand that like we can be creative people, but we can also be burnt out and we can also like not want to do a thing that we love. And I think there's the humanity in there that is interesting to me. And I, and I want to learn about other people's like how their brains work and how they, they traverse through these things because I know how I have, and I know how, what I've done, but maybe that's not, the way everyone else does it. And to me, that's the intriguing part of doing some of these podcasts with people like, you know, the one with Vinny, 
It's like, you know, I'm in a completely different facet of the music industry, but this is someone who's been doing it for 30 years and has so much sage advice and branding and how to stay afloat and like just sustaining a career and still being motivated to create new things. And obviously, like I said, being almost seven years, eight years almost at this point into this, it's like, I want to know how somebody else deals with these things because ultimately I think that is how we learn to kind of cope and deal with a lot of things from other people. And it is one of those things where I'm really appreciative that Matt took the time, two hours, chatting with me, drinking beers, uh, talking about podcasting, talking about metal fandom, talking about the new Cryptopsy record, which we don't really know much about, but it's still interesting to hear kind of the concept that he wanted to talk about doing interviews uh, instead of being the one conducting them, uh, conversations versus interviews, and and so much more. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Matt, and I'll talk to you on the other side of it. Essentially, that could be a recipe for like, especially when you have kids that it's like, oh, they were they were not dry because of the kids or myself, <laughs> which is the, the worst part of it. But we won't go there just yet. We're not that deep into the podcast yet. We just started, John. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but to kind of start off as as it seems apt between you and I, especially. Um, so we're going to talk about at least the beers we're going to start off with. So I picked up a. This uh, it's a company I've never heard of. Skygazer Brewing. Um, they are out of. I'm actually not sure where they are out of. I love the, the double artwork. There's one brewery up here in Quebec that does that, and I don't understand it. But when I see someone other brewery doing it, I'm like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. Oh, they're from New uh, North Haven, Connecticut. It looks like. Nice. Um. But it's a, a watercolors, and that's actually what's on the back is a watercolor like yeah. drip painting. I think it's so um, cool. But it is a five and a half percenter. It's a sour ale with guava, pineapple, mango, tangerine, star fruit, milk, sugars, and vanilla. So it should be They're fucking like delicious. Let's put more in it. <laughs> it's so funny. I was actually, uh, when my wife and I were traveling out west, um, we ended up linking up with Mark and then Nothing More crew yeah. uh, in Salt Lake, which if you've ever been drinking there, or I should say not drinking there. You drink uh, low, low ABV ABV beers there. Yeah, I didn't. There wasn't really a beer that sounded interesting to me because I figured, like, especially because I like more stouts, porters, and stuff like that, and heavy, thicker beers. So I was like, it just didn't seem worth they it. Don't, they don't let you do it. No. And like the whole thing around it was even kind of fucked up because I was like, like, we went to a bar and like I would be finishing my Jack and Coke and then they'd be like, um, do you want another one? And I would be like, yeah, please. And then they'd make it and just sit there and literally handle it. And then I'm oh, like, yeah. you, you can put it down. And they're like, no, no, you got to finish that one. And I was like, well, then why the fuck did you make the other one? Like, they wait until I'm done. You, but they want I you guess. to be like. Yeah. And it was a thing where I very quickly learned that it wasn't even that they won't stop serving you after a certain amount. Like, it's not really to cut off how much you're drinking. It's just that they don't. They just don't want you to have it all at once. But then the weird it thing is like, like a weird liquor law of the state where you can't have more than one drink at once. 
but the so bars it, have found a way around it to sell so, you when they hold the hold the drink until you are finished your next drink. The thing I kind of figured out from talking to some of the the bartenders that we were uh, happened upon in our travels is I could have like if I wanted a shot of like tequila and I'm drinking whiskey, totally fine. Wow, I can't okay. have whiskey and whiskey. Really? Um, so you I could like have a Jack and Coke, and you can't have a shot, but you can have a shot of I could, tequila I, with a I Jack keep, and Coke because it's not the same liquor. It's so fucked up. And then, as I as I understood, it, I'm sure someone that lives in that area is gonna be like, no, 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 you got it wrong. In which case, they'll be like, I was, I don't know, who cares? Um, but then I could also have my Jack and Coke, a shot of something that I wasn't drinking, so another whiskey, and I could have like a White Claw all at the same time. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, so you, clearly, you to, you, you've broken. The clearly, matrix. it's it's not it's not the amount that they care about. It's it's some weird principle of like you just can't have too much of a good time <laughs> i guess all, i don't know which is what i did on may 6th at kanawaki brewing okay. um i came up with this crazy dumb idea back in december i hit up uh, yakima chief hops which is a very cool uh, hop distributor from the yakima valley uh, luke bodier is their canadian rep metalhead cool dude uh, i pitched him this idea of taking the six best IPA makers up here in Quebec, Canada, and uh, pinning them against each other with an experimental hop, uh, trying to make their best mono hop IPA. So six breweries went head to head with their HBC 586, which is one of their experimental hops that does not have a name yet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that they're pushing towards it. So I started something called Haze Wars, <laughs> obviously. Uh, it was super cool. This is Kanawaki's version of it. Uh, it's awesome. It's cool. Uh, the best brewery that did win by one vote, I will say, was uh, Sir John Brewing. Um, Toltec was number two. Uh, what was interesting about the Sir John beer was that it wasn't hazy. So a lot mm. of the breweries were like, well, Matt, you need to put like better like, like guidelines into your <laughs> <laughs> voting aspect you know the appearance i just like what is the best beer i kept it simple you know but uh, as haze wars evolves in the future of whatever the fuck i come up with i, I will make amends to that cheers to you <laughs> cheers Let's see how this so it's like really like melanie on the nose um and then when it gets into the mouth it's much more veget like vegetably like 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 green pepper sort of tobacco type thing comes out I was trying to think if I actually had like a, a glass. Uh, I usually did, but I guess I don't today. You look good. You look good. Keep it going. This is cool. No, Haze Wars was uh, super cool. The beers are starting to be distributed across the province of Quebec at this point. Uh, Kanawakis will not be because they are on a native uh, territory. Mm. So, so their license does not permit them to distribute yet. So this one's interesting. Um, it's, it's funny because I don't know if it's just the combination of like all the fruits and they're so similar as far then, as like and where... put some lactose on top of it. Well, I feel like the lactose kind of gives way to some of the like tartness of like the fruits that are in it. So it kind of balances it out and smooths it out a lot more. Same with the kind of the vanilla. But it's weird because it's like when you're like, oh, I think there's pine. And it's like, oh, no, there's guava. Oh, no, 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 there's... <laughs> it's like each one kind of leads into the next one. So you're not really like getting one full anything which sometimes with beer and especially when they have so many flavors in it it's interesting to see how the flavors kind of develop on your your tongue or what yeah. develops the more you're drinking it like maybe the, or like the, the more you're drinking it or as it warms up which is also interesting 
Yeah, that's why I like to drink my. Uh, comes out like you don't even know stouts and porters and stuff. Warmer is much more interesting. Yeah. But uh, I was gonna make the comment, you know, because I, I guess I guess I didn't realize it's been over a decade since you since Cryptopsy had at least a, a full length album. Yeah, it's fucked up. We 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 were. It was like a redemption album, 2012, uh, after the Unspoken King. Uh, John came back, who was a very important member of Cryptopsy throughout Blasphemy Made Flesh, None So Vile, Whisper, and then you'll beg a little bit of Once Was Not. He left during the Once Was Not composition period. Uh, we did the Unspoken King without him. Obviously, that was what it became. And then he came back um, as like a redemption. He wanted to put the album, the, the band back on track with an album, which is what the self-titled was. 2012, here we are over 10 years later. We did release two EPs throughout that 11-year gap. Yeah. And the purpose of the EPs was to release music quicker. Yeah. Which we failed at doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. We, we, we failed at doing that. We toured a lot. Um, I just like literally today. So stupid. But anyways, our, I have free health care. I live in Canada. That's yeah. amazing. But anyways, today I'm reapplying for my Medicare card. It's called up here in mm. Quebec, Canada, I guess. And uh, I had to like list every fucking tour I've done since 2015 <laughs> where I was out of the fucking country for, I hope I can swear yeah, for, yeah. For, for 21 days or more. And I was like going through and I was like, this is a nightmare. Like I've been on so many tours anyways. So <laughs> we toured a lot, which led to us not releasing as much music. We did an unsolvile tour, which also led to us not releasing as much music as we wanted. Cause the idea of doing EPs was really, to pump shit out faster so we can right. on tour and cycle. But the way Cryptopsy writes, it's extremely painful. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, it's, it's Chris, my guitarist. Uh, when John left after the, uh, the self-titled album in 2012, uh, it was a long time for Chris to find his identity as the primary Cryptopsy composer Flo and John always wrote in a jam room. Chris is a new age composer, producer. He writes in the studio. We had countless fights about how to write new music and discussions about how we should proceed. Finally, you know, over the years, we, we, Chris has really found his stride as composing for Cryptopsy. I feel like he... The tome one, the book of suffering, tome one, he like was still like uncertain. Tome two, he was like falling into it. And then by the time we were writing the new record, which I can't name yet, um, <laughs> it was March of 2020. We were in a cabin in the woods and we had really hit our stride. We were just like creating madness, March 2020. And then the pandemic happened. As we were in the cabin in the woods, everything shut down in the States. It was like, you couldn't make this shit up. And it's that week that we signed with Nuclear mm. Blast. So it's been since then that we've all been holding in, that we've been signed to Nuclear <laughs> Blast. Albeit it took us three years to finish the record, so it's nobody's fault aside from our own, but, uh, <laughs> and a global pandemic. But uh, I think it worked in both of our favors because the new record is, it's, is we're, we're very stuck with it. But it took us a long time. So, I mean, there's a few things in there that I kind of like discussing. So I guess I'll kind of tackle them in succession. First of all, you know, 
I feel like the pandemic really brought forth sort of how the music industry honestly works from a behind the scenes thing of the band and, and, you know, management and uh, labels and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously when you want to release something where, you know, we saw a lot of bands deciding to show up the records that they had already finished because mm-hmm. they wanted to be able to tour on it. And so you have these records that interestingly were recorded before the pandemic and, and probably the frustrations and the anger of the uncertainty of everything. But it's weird how a lot of these records that were recorded per, like right before seemingly hit that same tone of that time that it seemed like it would have been recorded in, in that two year gap or period and so I wonder, do you kind of feel the same where you're looking back at this stuff when you're now getting ready to release it and kind of finally discuss, you know, this album you've been sitting on? Do you kind of feel like, oddly, it also fits in that little that box, too, where it's like it feels like it was made in the time that it seemingly would have been made in? It takes so long for us all the time. So, so it's always <laughs> just like something that's been done forever ago. Mm-hmm. typically with cryptopsy this one is ex- ex- exponentially longer mm-hmm. but there was no way that we would release the record without touring it and i'm sort of grateful that we like wrapped up everything in let's say january 20 this year 2023 like the final solos were done it took us that long to 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 mm-hmm. finish it all like when you have like your own member chris donaldson he's amazing his full-time job is a producer. He produces Despise Icon, Ingested, Shadow Intent, so many bands. When like you're finished your day's work, the last thing you want to do <laughs> is sit down and keep working, right? So, so right. it took time. It, 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 but um, it's always like that with Cryptopsy. It takes a long, long time, and I don't know why. I think we we overanalyze stuff where we're very particular. Um, Chris really drove this release. Chris really pushed everything, booked our studio times in his like gaps, made us come. Like for myself, it was super cool recording vocals. I went with my family. He has a child about the same age as my two kids. And it was like a summer vacation because he lives like next to a beach. We would track the vocals in the morning, go to the beach, come home, eat supper as a family all together track a second song and we did that for like five six days it was super cool and my vocal session was recorded was sponsored by overhop canada so so we had a whole flats of beer to to keep us well motivated throughout my vocal (laughs) sessions and that that's the truth yeah the other thing that i i love kind of talking about is this this sort of duality life that an artist lives in where you are constantly being inspired by things in the present. You record something and then time goes by before it comes out just due to a lot of variables of we want to put it out for this touring or this, uh, you know, touring cycle this quarter because it'll probably do the best it's going to do so on and so forth. And then, you know, you're working toward that and then you have to do press and, sing these songs and for the members of the actual band, you know, going back and remembering how to play these songs. It's a night. You haven't performed time for nightmare. the first time. We, we, we just did it. We just did it for the video <laughs> shoot. And everyone was like, what the fuck is this song? Like, yeah. <laughs> for myself, so I'm very just, stoked. Like I built, like, I knew that because I had started Vox and Hops when I started writing the concept and writing the lyrics and writing the idea 
before we even started talking about a new record, I wanted to have something to say because hmm. I wanted to be interviewed, which is like, it's a nice, I like being interviewed, which is probably a part of the reason why I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Flo yeah. fucking hates it, but I like it. I don't mind doing interviews. Yeah. Um, so I wanted something important to say. So, so I found a concept. Once again, I can't unveil too much. You're like one of the first press that I'm doing before the album has been totally announced. So I can't talk about too much, but there is a concept, sure. which I am proud of, that uh, I wrote late 2019, I want to say, that has only exponentially gotten more relevant because of what happened during the pandemic. Um, it talks about social media and the power of the internet. So, so I'm, I'm very, very confident. But it's true that in life and reflecting into cryptopsy but cryptopsy is such a fallacy and such a a gross mimicry and and an invention of my my imagination that it's so far from what's actually going on in my life i work in early childhood education mm -hmm. we're shooting music videos about a guy killing someone in the bathroom there's no <laughs> parallel there it does not make sense everything is perpendicular in those two worlds so so no and i'm a parent and stuff. I, we just got like shirt designs and I was showing my kids moments before this interview and they were like, ah, ha, ha, like it's, it doesn't make sense. So no, but I am ready to, to, to tackle and, and then eat these songs and the concepts. And I think the concept is strong and it's meaningful. Uh, the world has gone to shit um, <laughs> and there's some good stuff in the world, but a lot of it needs to be reevaluated. And that's probably the most that I, elaborate on at the moment no for sure i just think it's interesting to kind of think about that to put put yourself where you have to kind of go backwards while you're still moving forwards yeah. and i know that that's a, a a very easy nice way of kind of explaining it but it's it is just a very weird set of circumstances where not many people have to do that repetitively yeah. and to kind of think about how hard it must be to traverse always wanting to move forward and being present in the now and being inspired, but then yeah. knowing that you have to go back to something that you've already done. And that's, I don't want to say that's not who you are, but you're, you're changing and you've probably changed since then. And life has happened since then. So to go back and be like, all right, now we have to kind of focus and make the thing we did a while ago, the thing we're doing now even though we're already working on what will be the next thing. Like, it's just a weird set of circumstances that I think bands and artists find themselves in where you're never really in one time in your life. I think I come from a special circumstance and a lot of other new singers, we can call ourselves, new vocalists or new members. I've lived my career with Cryptopsy playing songs that I never wrote. Mm. So, so I know that for the experience for the fans performing and going back into that era and showcasing that era is important. So I think even with, as we're looking at future set lists, going back and delving into the self-titled, the Tome Ur, or to go into non Vile era, I know it's important to do that. So, so I am a fan not necessarily of Cryptopsy when I was growing up, but, but I have been a music fan for a long time. And I know that if I were to go see some of those bands that I loved when I was young, because 
I the, the show just happens to happen and I go to the show and then they don't play the tracks I want to hear, I'll be disappointed because they want to live in the now. I think that's that I think that's a bit wacky. It was funny because we went and saw my wife and I and some friends went and saw I mean, really we went to go see Bush. Um but Our, Our Lady Peace, no? I like Our Lady Peace. It was a different tour, I think. Maybe. Yeah, no, this one was uh Breaking Ben and Breaking Benjamin and Bush and somebody else. And uh I gotta say, Gavin Rossdale still got it. Um, of course, he's great. He's a and fucking it's, rock star. And it's weird because, like, I'm so used to when I think of him, I think of him as a guitar player, vocalist. And I would say probably not even maybe a quarter of the set he only played guitar. And I was like, hmm, interesting. But what was kind of funny was we had a woman that was like off to my right in our seats, and she just kind of was presumably a, a little intoxicated and just really into it. And, well, not, yeah, but it was funny. Cause there's like those, like the 16 stone razor blade, or they actually didn't play anything off a razor blade suitcase. Now I think about it. Um, but when they played it at one point, and this kind of became our quote of the night, it was just like, this is my bush. This is my bush. And it was just getting down. Whereas, whereas all the other bush is not her bush. Yeah. No, not my bush. And I made a joke <laughs> since I work at a place that sells hats and I can make hats. I was like, that should be a hat I make for all of us. It says, "That's or this is my bush. This is my bush. Um, but it was a thing where, you know, I leaned over to my wife. I was like, man, you know, like she looked up the set list because I didn't know how long of a set they were going to play. And so she looked up the set list. I was like, uh, I wasn't going to say spoilers, but the tour is done in like a week. So who cares? Um, but it was a thing where like they didn't play mouth, greedy fly, um, didn't play chemicals between us. Didn't play like a couple other like songs that like, if you're a my Bush era fan, like you would expect to hear those. And I was just like, huh, you know, kind of bum, but I will say like the newer stuff kind of reminded me of how I felt about, you know, filter, like their last handful of records they put out where I'm like, it's actually really heavy and really good. And I just don't think people know because I think they only think of the band in this era, this yeah. little, you know, these two album span of like their childhood or whatever, their teens. And it kind of really got me thinking last night about how there are probably so many fans like that of bands where it's like, I'm a fan of this band from this era, this time frame, And, you know, I think about it, even when you like, when I go to metal shows, especially, and you see the people with the patches and all this kind of stuff. And I just, you know, like Lamb of God's a great one where people are like, Oh, I wish they just play more stuff off of like, as the palaces burn and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sure. But they've also been playing for another 15 years since then. Yeah. Like, they got five more records. Like it gets to a point where unless you're the headliner in that situation and you're willing to play the two some odd hours or so you're going to have like a 90 minute set and there's the staples, two, three new things. That's your time. So I think it's it weird to, into, and the Bush one makes perfect sense in this circumstance. Cause they had toured with our lady peace probably a year or two before. Yep. I guarantee you all those hits were in that set list. Yeah, but the fact that they were playing with Breaking Benjamin, where they're trying to get new fans, yeah. they don't have to rest on those laurels of the old songs. They can explore the newer stuff, and I'm sure it ties into that because Cryptopsy, we would do the same thing. If we're going to tour with Suffocation, we're going to play the Nun So Vile. We're going to play the old shit. But if we play with like a new Shadow of Intent, let's say, if uh, they bend and and. <laughs> invite us to open for them <laughs> and we accept uh we could probably get away with playing 
some a lot more new materials. So I think that's it's it's like a band's decision, right? So and then the fans get pissed, but it's like the band the band is making a decision to to capture a new fan base with their new material and not just resting on those nostalgic tracks. I think that's that's the interesting thing as a as a fan at times of figuring out do you lend more like credibility credibility is not the right word either but sometimes I, I always wonder i'm like is it smarter for the band like you know say what you want about metallica it's inspiring to see that they will pull out songs that they haven't played for 10 15 20 years randomly because they can because they know people are going to show up so they can honestly probably do whatever the fuck they want to do and people will just be like cool um but it is one of those where i feel like Sometimes, like, you know, that was one of the things that I loved about going to see Every Time I Die is, yeah, they would have a set list. But if you were close enough to the stage, you'd see them all turn their backs and they're just like, all right, do you want to play this? And like, there were times I could see the set list and like the middle, like third section was not what was on the paper. Very cool. And it's like, you know, it's cool to me when a band can kind of call that audible live and be like, okay, the room seems to this audience seems to be picking up off of this. So let's just fucking feed into this, this, you know, energy and see where it takes us. And I know now in the day and age of, you know, lighting and tracks and stuff like that, you, you can't do that a hundred percent with every band. Yeah. yeah. But it is one of those things to me where I wish some bands would get rid of the, we just play these same songs. You're always going to hear like 90% of the same set list after a certain point, once they've you know made it or have like the fan base, but it also becomes a thing where it's like, if you know they're going to show up, does it really matter? Can you just do whatever you want because they'll probably no, show up? No, I think up? they're going to get stale. I think I think if, if any demonstration of that is Metallica, come on, it's it's they they know how to put a show on. So so you gotta you gotta keep everything special, especially when you're charging as much as they are. So so <laughs> you want people to come to both shows. It's going to have different bands playing with you, albeit I don't agree with the whole lineup of what they're doing, but um, some of it's more interesting than others is all I'll say. <laughs> well, I guess there's you know, two days in Montreal and I only want to go to one. Is all I want to say. Well, why can't you go to one? I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it, I feel like things like that, like seeing a tour of that magnitude, almost a mini festival for lack of a better term. Yeah. Logistically, I just don't know how you pull it off because essentially massive crews. And then the worst part is that they have all these other things in the city that is not even affiliated to the show that happens too, which is super like what all these like weird parking lot shit that goes on and the, the exhibits and the it's cool. It's cool. Metallica knows what's going on. Metallica is exciting still somehow this day and age i don't get it <laughs> the record i we can talk about the record i i enjoyed moments of it it was way too long and the songs are way too long but uh yeah it's Do you, they're, they're still exciting even at, at so many years into their career it's inspiring out of curiosity, as someone who does this and probably gets just as many email blasts requests for, for people to come on your show and so forth, do you find or have you found that you had fallen out of listening to music, that it became a bit of a chore? No, no, I listen to music a lot. I'm very lucky that I have Jerry Monk, who's 
Vox and Hops's metal architect who listens to everything basically. <laughs> he was cool. already doing it, and then I've sort of just enlisted him to do it for me. Not necessarily for me, because he was already doing it. It's just he like would already be sending me stuff, so I basically just roped him into the promo so he gets everything beforehand. So he's super stoked, right? So he like sends me stuff, but I do find this year I like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that sucks to say like i really out of this year there's what cattle decapitation for myself um herod i'm looking at my phone which is why i'm looking there but um i think that's it oh no that's not true uh spotlights i really really i think those are the three albums that i care about so far which is crazy because there's been so much music out it's funny because like today, as we're recording this, Lamb Goat's catching a bunch of shit for the review that some whoever did for the Sleep Token record. Oh, I have that. That comes out Friday. See, I want to hear. I like that band. I like the vocals, but I'm sure it's going to be boring. <laughs> I'm I'm very like my wife loves that band. Like bought tickets for us to go uh, see them when they're in Detroit, <clears throat> and it's one of those things to me where like I just. I don't know. I, and it was funny because when I read the review today from whoever the guy from Lamb Goat, I was like, I don't disagree with this. Like, mm. I, I'm sure people will like it. That's fine. I just, I don't care. It does nothing for me. And the I'm getting that, that like tower thing. What was that called? Uh, there's like two like tower black things on a white. That was a great record from Sleep Token. I really enjoyed it. And then the second record, whatever people are going to correct me and say them, whatever the most sure. recent record came out, yeah. boring. And then I'm yeah. sure that this is a continuation of that. That's cool. But the guy's got a great voice. Sure. I, I mean, I, I take nothing away from, from the dude's voice. but I, I can't take away from the, the viral attack that they've done on, on Spotify. How they did it, I don't know. Whatever team they have behind them is genius. It's working. They're, everything's sold out. Uh, when they came here before the pandemic, there were nobodies here in Montreal. The promoter shout out to Dave Boucher and told me the show did like, okay, they were an opening band. Now they're just like, they're, they're selling everything out. It's one of these bands, you know, the, yep. a good plan, good team behind them. The music's good. Interesting. I'm not sure. I feel like for me, it's more, it's parts. I don't feel like they're songs. I feel like they're, they're yeah. pieces and they just somehow figured out a way. Actually, I feel like at times it's almost lazy songwriting for, for <laughs> lack of what people think is amazing, really thought out songwriting. To me, it's like when a band can't figure out a way to train, like make a transitionary part, what's the thing you do? Just stop. And then now the new thing starts and you're like, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, that's, that's lame. That's easy. I could do that. Like I could be like, okay, here's two parts that don't go together. So how do I do that? Stop. I'm more stop. excited about the new Loathe, which is not this year, but that's a band that I've sort of put in the same area as Sleep Token. I'm much more interested in Loathe than Sleep Token to see what, what comes of them. I think at this point, I'm interested to see what the rest of that uh, Better Lovers uh, band, the Eats Hit Greg Pusciato, uh, oh, yeah. from Fit for an Autopsy. I'm interested okay, to see cool. what that ends up being because from the one song, it's a pretty good mix of everybody, I feel like. Like, I think, you know, the parts from Eats Hit, I think you can kind of hear a little bit of Will's chaoticness that he brings in more of that, like, you know, death metal, kind of tech metal kind of side. And then Greg obviously being able to find his way through all of that from what he's done in Dillinger and his solo stuff makes a lot of sense. But I'm interested to see where maybe 
some of the like the things that Jordan did on the last two Eats It records, like Thing with Feathers or even, you know, more or uh map change. I want to see how like the rest, like Greg and Will kind of find their way into those so- kind of songs. Oh, Will yeah. there be songs like that? Like so I'm interested to see I guess a balancing act between all the things and the the components. Um obviously live is just gonna be fucking insane. Um I hope I hope Will does some live, that's for sure. I would imagine he would. He seems to be touring a lot more, even with end. Um not so much fit, but like because I think they have a obviously they have an understanding that like Will doesn't really do a whole lot of the fit shows when he can, he will. But it seems like end he always makes it a point to be at all the end shows. So I'm hoping that's kind of the same thing that, you know, this, this other band won't, I mean, I don't see how they're not going to tour a shitload, but maybe it'll just fit into his, uh, window to start doing it. But the other one too, that I haven't, I mean, I've had the emails for a while, but I just haven't taken the time to listen to them was the two new Acacia strain records that dropped. I listened to one this week and I feel I wasn't a fan. Well, not that I wasn't a fan, but I wasn't well versed in prior Acacia Strain records. It feels more primitive than in waves or whatever the waves. It comes in waves. It comes in waves. And then the EP before with the, the number of decay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like those two. This one feels much more in your face and more primitive well, what did heard. you listen did you listen to the the like doom album or the more straight ahead record because there's I two know. i don't know I, 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 <laughs> I yeah. um but i think that's the thing is like and i feel like at times that was where doing this show and being so inundated with step into so, the light is what it was yeah to. okay um going into this you know the one thing i never really thought would happen is that like you know i i would try to listen to the records. I would try to kind of find my way through them and be able to talk about them from a different perspective than somebody else maybe was picking up on. And then I just realized like there were so many records and it's like, sometimes it'd be like, this record sucks. I just don't like it. I mean, it's it's fine. (laughs) Right. But I feel like we exist in this thing where it's like, you know, let's be real. If I were to say to someone as they're literally talking to me, that I was like, hey, oh. I didn't really like this. Yeah. That but I, but do, do you really take interviews with people you don't like? I don't know. Like, I don't. I try so not to do that. I ended up kind of, because there was a while there where it's like, I started gaining momentum with publicists and stuff. And so I kind of had this philosophy when I was coming up, sort of like I think a band does, where it's like, does it make sense? Like, am I really into this band or do I know a lot about this band? No, but maybe if I do this and like, clearly we know that you can, you can tell the bands and the, and the albums that aren't getting any, any love from uh, media. Cause you'll get that second follow-up email, maybe a third follow-up, maybe a, right. a very personalized, Hey, here are some times and a little bit more about the band to get you interested. And it becomes this thing where you're like, all right, maybe I'll take this one and do it for them because then maybe when I want to get something, they'll kind of remember that like I did them, you know, a favor of sorts and tour, you know, I'd say probably year four or five in, you know, this is probably three years ago. I just realized I was like, I'm just going to stop listening to the music. Cause ultimately it doesn't matter. I don't really want to talk wow. about the records anymore. 100%. I'd rather just talk to the person, which is what and I like. Do. Yeah. And it became a thing. Like, you know, I'm thinking of uh, when I had the singer from future palace on, and we 
started talking about just the differences in culture and like how she is growing up and you know that her sister is living in california and she went to california is the first time she'd ever been to america and that there's still that mysticism of the united states and the americas and you know it's where opportunity and dreams and all this stuff and to me as a person who's lived here my whole life it's like it's California. It kind of sucks. <laughs> like it, it's weird to, to have these conversations with people and realize that we can be talking about the same things, but just have completely different perspectives on them. And then even getting into, you know, as we were talking about that, you know, it might've been controversial. Maybe I'm surprised I never got anyone that was like pissed off about me bringing this up. But, you know, I was like, like you live near where the fucking Holocaust happened. Like we have people here in this country who will just deny shit ever fucking happened or just act like it never happened, like sweep it under the rug, just pay it no mind. I go, does that kind of shit happen there? Like, do you have people like who don't think the Holocaust happened like they do here? And they're like, no, like the only thing I can think of was there was a guy who was a part of the SS and later was just like, well, I I wasn't a bad guy. I didn't kill anyone. I wasn't mean. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, but it's interesting to kind of think about that because the other facet of it that I thought was interesting is just that, you know, I can travel a couple hours and either be still in Michigan or I can just be in another state and, you know, to her, or even, I guess to you, to, you know, in Canada, it's like, you can drive, I guess not in Canada, but like you can drive somewhere else overseas and now you're in another country. You're, you got to exchange money. There's a different language being spoken. There's, you know, all these different things. And it's a, a thing where, you know, we as Americans don't think of things like that. And it's interesting. And I feel like I learned so much about the world around me because of doing this podcast in situations like that. And it makes me thankful that I deviated away from being burnt out from listening to music and feeling like it became a chore and trying to talk about the thing. And instead just having a one-on-one connection with somebody and, and figuring out how we fit in this world. Absolutely. On that horrible note, John, I have to pee. <laughs> I'll be You're right good. back. <laughs> But it's true, though, that um, stepping away from the music to the person you're speaking to um, can really make a big difference because it can have such an impact if you're not a fan of something and then you have to try to sell it. But if you just speak to the person and the person finds it refreshing if you're going to finally step away from talk to me about this album, talk to me about the 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 recording the concepts the the pandemic the blah 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 they just want to have a conversation they want to be refreshed 
which is what I'm stoked that that happened with Vox and Hops is the once the, the the beer aspect aspect of it just took its own. It was just so fucking refreshing to hang out with my friends, and I remember like having like a pivotal moment with Charlie from Visceral Disgorge, where early in the podcast I had like a few key questions for Vox and Hops, and I like ran through them in like. 19 minutes and back in the day i was like i wanted to do 30 minutes mad like minimum and i like was like ah you make knives tell me about making <laughs> knives and then we went for like 40 50 minutes and he was so excited to talk about making knives everyone has something that they love and it's not necessarily the music so that's what's interesting it's funny because that was always the crux of what the show was supposed to be is initially i wanted to have people from bands on and I knew of a handful like Porter. It always started with the idea that like I knew Porter was into photography and is a really good photographer, but I'm sure at the time it wasn't really known that he, he yeah. was now, obviously it's a part of like, you know, one of the uh, like VIP things that the members of the band will do and so forth is, you know, he can take you out around your city and go explore with your cameras and explain to you That's so cool. different photo techniques and so on and so forth. And it's something and it's cool to see that it's it's now something he gets to do and share with so many people and fans of the band. Um, but that was always kind of my idea for the show was just to kind of like find the other thing that people like I like X band guy. Well, all right. Well, here's other shit that this person is way into, and you probably just have no idea and never heard him talk at length about these things. Like, like those fans that are like are into D and D and so does their favorite musician. So Oh my God, that seems to be such a huge thing lately is uh, almost VIP meet and greets where it's like, all right, we're bringing on our, and I don't play that game or any like Warhammer little people. Sure. Or ma buy, yeah, Magic the Gathering stuff. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, we're bringing out these packs and yeah. we're whatever. And I'm like, it's cool if you're into it. Like to me, it'd be like if someone was like, man, I'm, I'm into Madden or 2K and we'll play a game or two. <laughs> and I'd be like, all right, I'll drink and talk shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just take me to a brewery, people. Or bring me, yeah, some absolutely. Four, bring me some four packs. But. <laughs> I think, you know, I feel like, you know, since you're on the, the precipice basically of getting ready to kind of do a, a gamut of press, and especially since you're talking about, you know, a concept that you're really excited to to put to record, are you, do you feel like there will be a point where you kind of become tired of talking about the thing? Because there's only... No, no, I built something very, like, that's true to my heart. Because <laughs> okay. I know I've done, I've done so many interviews where I can tell when the person is broken and doesn't want to say these words anymore. But it's an actual thing that is wrong in the world. So I want people to... to and I, I, I am guilty of it. Hmm. Our relationship with, with the internet and social media is toxic. So, so as much as Travis from... Cattle, Decap Cattle Decapitation will not get tired of talking about how the humans are destroying the earth or I feel comfortable with my concept. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good because I feel like sometimes and actually it's funny because almost on the opposite spectrum, like I had reached out to get Carl from Earth Crisis on the show yeah. and was surprised that it seems like it's a go. It's just a matter of when I have time to do it. And then I was listening to uh, Colin and Bo, their hard lore, the uh, podcast. And someone, oh, I think it was when they had Josta on. And he was like, yeah, yeah man, sometimes like, well, I think once someone was talking about getting Carl on an earth crisis, he's like, yeah, man, Carl's intense, man. Like if you're like, he, he'll sniff you out if you're true or not. And then I was just like, I heard that. I was like, Ooh. I mean, like, I yeah, love hardcore. <laughs> like, I was like, I love my, I love hardcore. And I love like earth crisis and, and free is pretty tight. But like, 
to me, I just think it would be interesting to talk to him because he's been in, in it for so long that there's got to be, you I'm know, sure the wisdom that, that you're going to find something to get along with him about. Sure, but it's still one of those it things that times... have to be hardcore. No, 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 no. And it probably wouldn't be because I'm not going to nearly be as versed as Carl. Josh is going to have him on, Josh is just going to yeah. nerd out about hardcore. But you've yeah. got to find something that you can nerd out about. But it him. is one of those things at times where I feel like sometimes there are those guests that I'm like, Oh, it'd be really cool to have this person on. And then I hear something like that. And I just go, man, I don't know. Maybe it'll be too. Ins- <laughs> like it's like a uh, buzz from the Melbans. I think maybe we had talked uh, about I think this previously. He intimidates, he intimidates me a little bit too. Yeah. Like where I'm just like, cause he, I don't know. Cause he's, I guess cause he's he RGBG guy, uh, rock and roll beer guy. Yeah. Um, he had him on and he loved, it. he had a great experience with him. Yeah. I just, I feel like there's so many things where it's like, He's just intense and he'll just tell you to like, like he'll be a dick. And part of me is just like, I don't know if I could handle it. <laughs> have you had, have you had a guest that was a dick? I've had a few guests. I had one guest in particular that was a dick and I've spoken about it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to Vince from Dog Throne about it and it was just, they were drunk and high and he wasn't a dick. He was just a little bit rude. He wasn't a dick. I'll, I'll take that back. Yeah. But I think he wrote me, me afterwards, like a year or two after, <laughs> saying that, oh, your podcast is like a real thing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, sometimes doing things because, like, it seems like the thing to do to to kind of get a earn a favor or something. It's just and a podcast, yeah. <laughs> I know. No, I know. But it's like, I think the thing is, is like, you know, I talk about, some people, and this isn't a slight on anyone. I just think it's, it's an understanding of where you are and maybe it's a little bit of imposter syndrome that I know I, I suffer from uh, and have dealt with, but I think it's a thing where at times I didn't feel like I was like, I'm not a dot coil. I'm not a you, I'm not a, you know, some of these other people who are in bands of some level of notoriety to where you're going to kind of have a built in audience from the jump. Oh yeah, it may not be huge, yeah. but it's still something. Versus it definitely, me, it definitely like, helped me. My first hundred episodes were just my friends. Yeah, it was so easy. It was so easy. So, so I see, understand what you're saying. So, and I didn't have that, and so at times there are things where I feel like I kind of have to like go from the minor leagues up to and kind of build, you know, my repertoire and kind of build my name because I I don't have that recognizability of who I am and what I've done, mm-hmm. and it's a thing where at times. And, you know, the person was Jason Wisdom, who used to be, or I guess still is now, I guess they reformed, uh, becoming the archetype. And, you know, at the time of the first probably 50 episodes, still in the first year, I was like, oh, that's a big get. Because someone's like, oh, do you want Jason Wisdom? He's doing uh, Death Therapy as a new band, da 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 whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, sure. And the guy was just kind of a dick, because, like, I was trying to, like, get my settings right. I could tell, like, my microphone was kind of cutting in and out. And he was like, stop fidgeting. What are you doing? And I was like, well, I want it to sound good. Yeah, and you, you want know, this like time together to be worthwhile. Yeah, you want, and then, you want your fans to hear what you are saying. <laughs> yeah, and then it was just like this whole thing where, like, we're like maybe 20 25 minutes in, and we had set aside like any, at least like 45 minutes to an hour. And he's like, Oh, I gotta get up and my kids and something or other, and just was like, All right, bye. And like, it was like maybe at 25 30 minutes in, so I was just like, Dude, was kind of a dick. And some of the questions I asked, like you know, whatever. So then it came back, like, actually, I think it was like last year or something when BTA was coming back and like a publicist was like, Oh, would you like to talk to Jason? I was like, no, 
I don't want to. <laughs> Do you and respond? You, this is a real question. Do you respond to every publicist? Because uh, I when don't, I, and I, feel I, bad. I, I don't, but there are times where, like, there was one, I won't mention the band's name just because I don't want to give them any extra press, but, like, there was a band and a published like a couple of public like the team working their their stuff was like hey like we should have them on your show and then they were on ship rocked a couple years ago and like uh, apparently a friend of mine you know hung out with them knew them all this kind of stuff and they were playing here in town and we were hanging out and they they blew off my friend and granted this show was like poorly attended uh they were at merch when the headliner was playing and my friend was the only one at merch other than my wife so it's not even like there was a line they had to deal with. People were trying to, you know, get autographs and stuff. Nothing. It was that poorly attended of a show. And they just seemed so disinterested. Uh, my wife asked a question about something about one of the shirts. And the and the singer mainly was the main offender. It was just like, couldn't be bothered. And then it was, you know, they were just being such dicks, like just on their phones, couldn't give a shit. And my friend was like, oh, you should be on my friend's show. And at that point, like I'd already packed up because I'd interviewed uh, the singer from the headlining band and they were just kind of like, oh, and the guitar player kind of looks up and he was like, oh, because she was like, oh, yeah, she he interviewed uh, so and so from this band. And, and he was like, oh, and then she, like he, you could see him Googling or looking up on like something to see the show. And then kind of because I saw this. Like scrolling through like the past guests or whatever, and then like kind of pointed to somebody else and showed him like all this. And then all of a sudden, like the singer dude kind of looked at it and then was like interested in talking to me. And then I was like, yeah, man, you know, like, uh, he like, here's my email. Take it down. I didn't. And then probably three, four months later, I get an email from a publicist who I deal with all the time. Um, actually it was Amy. I can at least say that. I don't feel bad about saying that. And, and Amy was like, I really think you'd love to talk to these guys. They're an upcoming band, so on and so forth. And I was just like, no, thank you. And then I was, I told my wife, I showed her the email. I was like, oh, look, look who they're trying to drum up some press for. And she goes, oh, fuck those guys. And I was like, yeah, I almost thought about saying something as to why. Cause I don't usually, when Amy especially will reach out and send me like a personalized thing, I usually don't say no. Cause I know she's right. And usually it'll be a good fit for me to talk to someone. We'll get along really well. And I was, I then sent a follow up. I was like, my wife talked me into explaining why. And I go, and here's why. And I told her the story. And she's like, wow, that's just not really like them. Must have caught them on a bad day. But, you know, I did think it was weird when you had sent a, a no thank you. Because usually you don't. <laughs> so I kind of wondered why. So thank you for letting me know. Because um, I can kind of keep tabs on, you know, if this becomes a reoccurring thing, then, you know, I'll, I'll know and so forth. But, yeah, you know, really sorry they treated you and your friend and your wife that way. And um, totally understand. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to talk to them either. And, and so, how, like, like what we do, all of a sudden, we're much more important. Isn't it stupid? <laughs> I mean, to a degree, yes, but also no. <laughs> Isn't it dumb? Like, like we sit on our, <laughs> we release an episode, and people listen to it, and it's 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 silly that that the notoriety that comes with with having conversations with our friends. It's it's silly. Well, I think the the I think the weirdest part, and like having just recorded episode four hundred. You know, I kind of went on a little bit of a thank you. Feels good, right? It does. It's a weird, weird journey when you're just like it feels good. Four hundred over four hundred episodes. Yeah, great. You're gonna be four. You're gonna be episode four hundred one. So you're you're over the hump, starting the next the next. uh, 
yeah to the next uh yeah. to 500 the journey to 500 and I when i started the podcast i was like listening to justin he was at 300 or something and i was like i'll never have 300 episodes we both have 400 isn't that nice <laughs> i'll choose to that also this gives us a cheap way to uh, talk about the oh, movies yeah. we just opened go for it so um drecker is oh, uh, yes yes I, i've been following them on online uh, so they're, they're like a weird european company that's contract brewing somewhere else yeah uh almost like untitled art sort of seems to yeah. be because there's no way they can put out that much stuff in such a short amount of time if they're not collaborating with uh, other I've breweries helping them trying to do stuff with them yeah i can't believe they didn't immediately jump at that since that seems to be the what they do <laughs> Um, well, I don't. I don't have a brewery, but <laughs> <laughs> you know enough people that can make something happen. I do but this is that. the uh, the chunk. It's a cherry drumstick Sunday sour. It sounded absolutely God amazing. Yeah. I know. I almost wish I had a glass to pour this into. I should go get I'm, one. I'm drinking classic here, classic Moralité from Dieu du Ciel, classic Quebec brewery. It's uh, something that I fall back into recently, actually. When we did our top 10 this year, I had team up with Beerism and BAOS Podcast from here in Quebec. And Beerism, they, 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 they put Zidsale on the top 10. And it's like a, a vote thing. All three of us have to pick a top 10. They both put Zidsale. I hadn't. So I've been exploring Zidsale a lot more this year. It's a classic. It's amazing. Yeah. I want to see what this one looks like. So I'm actually going to get a glass for this one. Go for it. Do I have to talk to them? I'll talk. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> the Maravite is actually an IPA. Uh, the first uh, version of it was a collab with Alchemist out of Vermont. So, so it was like the first like fruitiest, so much like bitter IPA that happened in early two thousands. I want to say two thousand two, two thousand three. This is six point nine percent. They rebranded it recently, which I love a little bit less, but whatever mckeller inspired everyone apparently um shout out to jf um, their mastermind he's fucking awesome as he pours out his director actually looks really good too that's cool though their their artwork is cool me too i've been poking them oh, for a man. while yeah i don't know if you could see that at that yeah. pour at the end just how like thick it is that, that fruit 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 smoothie Good for that. Oh my god. Yeah, the publicist like, game is fucked though. Like like I I, I, I hope publicists listen to this and can listen to me. We appreciate everything you're sending us. It's super, super cool. But I have a hard time responding to everyone. It's it's just never ending. So many albums, so many interview requests. And personally, I'm like at this point with the podcast that I'm trying to have some balance and just, I have these mottos with the podcast throughout the years. I'm four or five years in and this year's motto is it's just a podcast, which is why I said it earlier. <laughs> I might have, I have festivals. I have uh, brutal Montreal that I do. I have all these beer events like shit with like Hayes wars. But at the end of the day, Vox and hops is a fucking podcast. It's just a podcast. It doesn't matter. And if I no. miss a week, it doesn't matter. That has, that has been something that's been hard for me to. I've never missed a week, but if I do miss a week, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I, like, and there are times like where I will miss a week. And, you know, up recently, it's because my job, my new job has been just yeah. so under like overwhelming. And then on top of that, it's like, I didn't have like, just, it seemed like this last like month and a half, like it'd be like, all right, I got someone. Nope. Fell through. 
got someone, fell through. Everyone's and it's like, like shit. Busy. COVID was sweet. COVID, we would just have everyone. <laughs> Man, this, I got to say, this is a. That's a good beer. Okay. Good. Super solid. Well, Cause like in my head, I'm like, okay, cherry drumstick, Sunday sour. Like there's what I think it's going to be. But the first thing that like really got me right away is how overwhelmingly and good like the peanut butter flavor is. It's like peanut butter and like, like a raspberry or like a jam. Really? Yeah. God damn, you American beers. So fucking good. Yeah. The, uh, I love, I love this too. Like, you know, it has, ah, terrible at this. Um, still terrible at it. So it has like, I love that it says gimmicks, <laughs> cherry, <laughs> pe- peanut butter, vanilla, soft serve, ice cream, waffle cones, lactose, and My chocolate. God, yeah. The most unvegan beer ever. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when a, a four pack of this is almost $25, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause they put that all in there. Yeah. Yeah. Premium ingredients. No, I mean to, to kind of, you know, I, I think, that's the thing. Like, you know, I was saying in, in the intro and, and even the outro of the 400th episode, which is obviously it'll have happened already. So it's, you know, aired. It's uh, Vinny from uh, naughty by nature. And Sick. it's a thing for me where, you know, I, I, I mean, I didn't really have to fight for it, but I fought for it. Cause like, I love hip hop and it's something where, you know, I get comments quite a bit where people are like, don't even seem like you like metal. Like when I used to be on discography discussion, when that was still a show, you know, my album of the week was always usually something hip hop related or something not metal, but it's also like, dude, I just listened to like all of death in like four days and had to like take notes of each album and things that I was thinking about. So I could talk about it at length for, you know, the podcast. And so it's like the thing I wanted to listen to was anything but death. I wanted to listen to something that just, you know, was a nice palate cleanser. And what's the opposite of listening to like death metal pop or rap or something else but it's interesting when you listen to those kind of things how you can start finding other influences in some of these other genres and flows super into like early 90s hip-hop loves it same loves it but it was a thing where when i was kind of talking in the intro it was just like you know seven years 400 episodes some of the people that are now my friends from doing this show and just the the journey it's taken me on and i go but you know there are people who will comment like, you know, one of the biggest episodes on YouTube is this episode with the singer from this band Revis. They put out like one record, uh, did a tour with Pearl Jam where they got kicked off the tour. Not because like they did anything bad. I just think the band didn't want them on the tour anymore. Um, and like, it was a band that like is such a weird niche band. And like, that thing's got like almost 10,000 views. Cause like their fans are so like loyal like myself. And it was like one of my first couple at like, probably like my first 30 episodes. Wow. And people were like, Oh, the guy just like me just kept talking over to the other dude and da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah, I mean, shit, dude, this is like one of my first fucking handful of interviews. And one R- rule number one, of anything is don't not read, the read the comments. Never. I, I, I was Chris Donaldson. We announced that we signed the nuclear blast. I was like, stop reading the comments. Stop. But I can't help it because like part of me, because the other thing I try to do is because maybe because I just don't get bombarded with comments on stuff very often. So I at least like to go and be like, thanks for listening. Hopefully yeah. like, you know, thanks for saying something positive. And just because I would want, it would make me feel good if I commented on like my favorite show and like Rogan or Joe Rogan experience or whatever commented on my comment. Yeah. Like that would be for cool. Vox and hops. I'm a bit more present in the comment section. Yeah. Like, I do. I do this artist spotlight thing. 
Yeah. Where I, I showcase a band in the intro. I think it's a cool idea. I tried it in the past. It didn't work. Up front, I charge money for this. So mm-hmm. some guy today asked to do it and then dropped like in the comments on Facebook that I'm um, false advertising. Oh. That I charge money and screenshotted my, my next message where it's a copy-paste thing where this is super cool. I, I like your track. Um, I do, to be upfront, charge money to promote you on the podcast because I have hundreds of people that listen to my podcast <laughs> and you're gaining something from yeah. having me showcase your track. Yes. So I wrote him and hit the car. I said, that is true. <laughs> Thank you so much for showcasing this and letting everyone know that I charge money to do this. It's, it's, <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, that's an interesting thing about this too. And sometimes I feel like a, a giant fucking dick about this. Like there, when I started the show, I wanted it to, to kind of have an element of bringing at least my local scene or smaller bands yeah. up because I figured that was going to be a way where I could kind of parlay easy content for lack of a better term. And weirdly, like I would reach out to some people that I knew personally and that I was friends with and they would just be like, Oh yeah, yeah whatever. And kind of blew me off. And then really? it's like, once I started, yeah. And then once I started getting, traction on my own it was almost like that that shitty uh uh kid story of like the the chicken or whatever that made all the food and the feast and gathered all the ingredients and then when the feast was done ever then everyone wanted to come be a part of it um and that was the thing is like at one point i did the same thing like someone came to me and at that point i had was i was trying to figure out advertising and you know, I knew that I knew what Doc Coyle's rate was because I'd had a band do it for on his show. So I knew roughly it's like Doc's here and I'm here. So I feel like I can charge this and it's within the scope of, you know, what I think is adequate. And it was a thing where someone was like, oh, you're just about the money. Thought you were like really in it. And I go, dude, I go. And they were really shitty toward me in, in a fucking email. Or on Facebook Messenger, and I go, fuck you. I literally asked you three years ago to be a guest on my show, and you didn't seem like you gave a shit. Now you clearly see that I'm, I've earned a reputation, and I'm on a certain level, that you see value in coming to me and having your shit on my show. And I go, so yes, I am going to charge you, because yes. my show has earned a certain level of status that you wouldn't have come to me otherwise. There are other people who have and paid and to be advertised. It, it depends how you put it into the episode because like mm-hmm. ads the way I do ads because I'm with sound talent is through megaphone. I don't know how you're at now. So, so those get dynamically inserted. So nope. those, I mean, those, they, they do on some of my stuff now I can just do that. Um, but the artist spotlight stuff I'm doing is, is there forever. It's like baked yeah. in as we call it in the podcast yep. world. So, so let's say it's like an episode with George from cannibal corpse. It's going to be an episode that's going to get listened to forever. Yeah. People are going to stumble upon it for that's the numbers that just keep rolling, you know. So, so people don't understand the, the value that podcasts yeah. have. It's crazy. It's, it's, yeah. So, I just thought it was funny that this person like did that, but like th- that's a comment that I did read that irked me today, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but I responded nicely, and um, but I, I'm talking about it now, so I'm still a little bit irked about it, I think. <laughs> but I mean. I And to kind of finish my initial thought, that's sort of what I had talked about in the intro and outro was that if there is someone who listens to this show, my show, and they're like, oh, I can't believe you had 
whomever on didn't ask yeah. about this, didn't talk about this. I go, the whole thing that started my show was I was tired of watching interviews with some of my favorite band people and watching them piss away the opportunity. You know, people interviewing Keith uh, for Meets It and just being like, so Warp Tour, you're, how's catering? Exactly. Like just dumb shit. And I'm like, you yeah. fucking, like, I would kill for this opportunity. Yeah. Let's hang out. And like, ask something real, give yeah. a shit. Like, yeah. and it's like, if you listen to my show and you think you could do better, you probably can. <laughs> fucking do it Just let it be the catalyst <laughs> let it be the catalyst for you because it's what started my show and here i am seven out seven years and 400 episodes and i got to talk to fucking Vinny from naughty by nature yeah a dude who i used to watch on mtv as a kid hmm. the past year since trevor passed away i started talking uh, about mental health yeah and i feel like that topic like i go through like i have very standard questions for vox and hops to like frame a conversation that i enjoy dancing through but adding in the mental health has like just turned the the conversation in such an interesting dynamic where I truly just like chip away all the the anything that any artist is like ready to talk about and they become so human. It's yeah. unbelievable. It honestly and again, very serendipitously, you know, that was something I addressed in the outro was just, you know the show has done so much for me on a, uh, on a personal level that if I hadn't been doing this podcast, I don't know if I ever would have gone to therapy wow. because it was a thing where like I can pinpoint it and I, and I feel bad. I always, I, I should preface. And I think I have said this uh, more recently when discussing this, because I don't, I think before it sounded like I was kind of harboring bad feelings toward this person. But what I, I wasn't able to articulate at the time going through it is it wasn't necessarily this one person. It was this one situation that was kind of the tipping point for me. And I'll never forget it. Cause it was the day of the Capitol riots and I'm not wow. a very political person, but I, I can so I totally know myself. I don't know. Um, but I remember watching it and just being like, what the fuck is wrong with people? What is wrong with our country? And I felt because I live here in Michigan that the events of our Capitol riot, months before were the impetus of this being a thing that people would do now may or may not be, but that's just how, as more of an empathic person and kind of seeing, try to find lines from one point A to point B. Like that's how I saw it. Like nothing happened to these people so we can do it on a bigger scale. And I remember this person who, you know, I was friends with on Facebook that I think was more of a, a through the podcast or through podcasting as a whole, like podcasting networks, and they had reached out to me. I didn't really know them, but I knew that they lived overseas. So they were like hours uh, ahead of me time-wise. And basically like, they're just sending me messages. And I was like, eh, man, like what, what's going on? Cause like, we never really DM'd really. And so some of the questions were just kind of vague and weird. And finally I was like, man, what's up? Like I got a podcast to record in like, you know, a half hour, like what's going on. And then he was just like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about killing myself. And I was just like, Oh fuck. And like I had just lost my uncle like previously, and then like a week after that, after like getting back from the funeral, I like lost a really close friend of mine um, randomly. So like I just like a lot of things, and I also realized I hadn't had time to grieve any of that shit. And so I dealt with that, and then I came to record a podcast uh, with my old co-host Dan, and we were gonna do knock out the intro outros for like two three episodes. And I I told him I was gonna be like I was running late, and when I got on, he's like, oh like making a joke about something. And I was like, nah, dude, explain to like what happened. He was like, Oh shit. And then like, I just like broke down. I was like, dude, I can't 
I can't fucking be everything for everyone. I just, I need, I like, I went to my friend's funeral preparing to grieve my fucking friend. And instead, like my other friend who dated this person, like lost his shit. So I had to be the strong person for him. When I'm at my uncle's funeral, it just happened so fucking quickly that it's like I had to find time off of work, flights, and figure out shit. And then the funeral happened, and then we're fucking back to the real world, and then my friend dies. And then it's like I didn't have time to deal with any of it. And then I realized, like, that's life. We just don't have time to deal with shit. We just kind of put it off for a little bit, and then it hits us somewhat at some other horrible time. And that time was doing a podcast and what was fucked up is I literally was crying for like 10, 15 minutes, just like so upset. And I was like, well, fuck, we got to get these podcasts out. And I threw on the, how's everyone like, you know, and I just, and I did it. The game, and, the game. And I realized like, that's, that's not, not okay. That's not and so like that next day I was like, I, I need to go to therapy. I think, cause like, I shouldn't be able to just break turn down like that turn and then turn it on. Yeah. And it's what therapy. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the crazy thing, though, and something that I, I can't help but thank therapy for, it was I did a chat with Lee from Born of Osiris, like after I think my first or second session, and we were talking about his solo uh, instrumental record, and somehow we were, I think I was talking about going to therapy, he had talked about you know his therapy stuff, opening up about his addiction, um, and then we ended up getting to the truth about what the record was actually inspired by, like the, the title of the record and the themes. And he's like, you know, I've been doing a lot of press lately and, you know, I've kind of had the canned answer of what this actually is about. You're the first person to get the real answer because we got to it talking about real shit. And that's what inspired it was kind of real, honest human shit. And it's a thing where I feel like at times talking about therapy and talking about mental health on the show almost feels like beating a dead horse. But I feel like when I get text messages from some of my friends or people who DM me and they're like, I heard this episode today and I really needed it because it made me realize like I'm not alone with these thoughts or that I, you know, going to therapy is not a bad thing. And it's a thing where I just realize like how, how like, you know, your motto is it's just a fucking podcast. God damn, man. Like sometimes like some of the messages that I'm messages, I'm sure you, you have received since talking about therapy and mental health. I'm sure you're just like, it's not just a podcast though. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I think, uh, yes. The, the connection with the community is more than the podcast. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just my own pressures <laughs> in regards to the podcast where my motto falls into place. No, for sure. The connections like, with other people, but a hundred percent is is, and that sucks. Everything that you had to go through, and then it's the, the turning it on is something that happens. It happens to a lot of people, like more than than anyone can can know. Like it can happen to people crying in the bathroom at work, and then stepping out of, and having to be in the office and have to perform. The teachers, let's say, and artists being fucked up on the road and when they step out on stage, the crowd doesn't know, taping no. their knees so they can still stand, you know, like back <laughs> that George Jones movie. I don't know if it's true, the, the TV show, you know, <laughs> shit like that. Um, good for you for talking about it and pushing it. Um, we're all fucked. It- we're all fucked and it's okay to be fucked. And the, the, the importance is, is that we're here together and we're not perfect. And we have to talk about it. We have to showcase that, that, that we are, is, 
not probably supposed to live past 33. So, so anything past that year is like a golden year. And, and the human body is not meant to be that old, you know, like old, like, like Neanderthals didn't live past 33. So our brains are far more evolved and we need to be imperfect. And, and the issue with like, social media once again back to my concept and everything that we portray in the media and to our friends is is an aspect of perfection and it's not true it's fake so good for you to 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 showcase the truth behind that something i would ask you know because it's you know i love talking about concepts that i think about and sometimes i feel like maybe they're a little out there where people are like oh what the fuck <laughs> but I, I've been thinking as I get older about, and honestly, it really, it this this part of it, maybe it's not the part everyone takes away when they watch this movie, but is thinking about Midsommar. Oh, I love that movie, yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, spoilers, I guess, but, you know, the fact that it, I think it's 65, you die. Like, you go and you're done. I wrote a um, song about that once. It becomes this thing to me where I really latched on to that idea of, like, you know, because some people are like, oh, if you knew when you would die, how would you how would you change how you live? And I'm more of the other side of it where I think about culture as a whole in society. And, you know, we didn't used to live that long. And some could say it's because, well, we didn't have, you know, technology and, and didn't understand health and so forth, which I totally understand. But then I think about it from the other side of things where I'm like, but were we supposed to live to be fucking 90? Were we supposed to live to be a hundred where all your friends and family are dead? Your health is like fucking shit. It's like, what kind of quality of life is that? I, I somewhat agree with that. My, my grandfather's about to be a hundred. He still lives on his own, but uh, he's getting rickety. So, so it's, it's, it's tape tipped. No, no, he just bought a new puppy, which is another discussion <laughs> that I'm not getting into. <laughs> As if he, it's dusty. Maybe that's maybe that's the secret of youth it's right there. Dusty the fourth. But <laughs> oh my god, my great grandmother had four pumpkins. They were cats because she, she kept they die. She ran over one on accident, didn't know, and then they would just buy her another tabby cat and just kept naming it. No, pumpkin. he's he's buying and naming. I know. Mister P is a good man, but uh, no, I I don't. I I wrote a song about this. I. It was called The Headsman on the Unspoken King. It was about, uh, in, what's that? The Giver, which is a book that I had to yep. read. Yeah, I remember it that. Was, it was evolved upon that idea. And that falls into the how old are we supposed to live in the society. And yeah, it's, it's who knows? It's fucked. It's, it's, you know, obviously you want to spend every moment with everything that it's, it's life, right? So. But I feel like when you start looking at other facets of life, like marriage, yeah, the idea of marriage, you know, being married myself, uh, been together with awesome my marriage. wife for like 13 years, 20, but, 20 plus myself. But it's a thing where, you know, I think about the idea of, you know, until death do us part. And it's like people were either being in arranged marriages or if they got married, you're like 14, 15, and you're only going to live to be 25, maybe. <laughs> 30, so it's like, <laughs> sure, but it's like the rest of your life, you kind of knew it wasn't that long. <laughs> sure, so, it, yeah, it's not that much suffering. It's not like now, 80 years. <laughs> sure, and and so to me, it's like, you know, I have, on another podcast I'm doing with uh, Corey from God Forbid and uh, Jackie that uh, works kind of in the publicity yeah. press realm, 
I uh, used to work at Metal Blade, I believe. Um, yeah. She, uh, I said something about that before. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know that marriages need to like. I feel like marriages kind of should be, for lack of a better term, like like phone contracts or something where it's like every five years you check in and you're like, do you want to re up? Do we want to keep going? Or like, have we just changed as people as we, as we do. And maybe this just isn't like where we want to be anymore. And it's actually they, really healthy. I think, but the funny thing is, is like Corey more than Jackie was just like, dude, that's fucked up. Cause if you're going into a marriage thinking that then you're looking for a safe safety net, like basically a way out at all times. And I'm like, I don't think it's looking for a way out. I think it's just being honest. Like, I think it's honest and healthy. I think that love is can something change. can change. And the evolution of love. I've been with my wife for over 20 years. Um, she's now studying to be a librarian. We've gone through like a tough session of her, finishing her research project and our, our relationship has evolved, but we're still in love. It's, it's, but it was, we've gone through some tough moments, but I, to, to look at things and to reevaluate these things as a couple and not feel trapped is a very modern approach to relationships. Cause a lot of people feel trapped in their relationships. They can never ever change. And that's something that something else that we were talking about. Me and my wife is like, the, the freedom of living a different lifestyle after 30, where mm. you're an alternative lifestyle. I homeschool my children. We're vegans. We're the weird people. Like, you know, like, like we, <laughs> I, we still like do at least a little bit nowadays, it's a little bit more different. Career change happens more frequently. Back in the day, people would like work somewhere, work there forever. So, so like, the, the idea of like living within my we my means and like having enough money to pay for my condo and living here long enough and then eventually paying it off and moving on is something that's crazy to people. Some people just like, oh no, you have two kids, you need a house, you have to reinvest, you have to blah 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 blah. Buy the two dishwashers. If my friend ever listens to this, she's gonna laugh. Um, <laughs> you know, like like li live now, live now. Why are you waiting till you're older? It's like I am living. I've toured the globe multiple times. I'm gonna tour the globe again. I've lived more than half of my friends. It's 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 the idea of you have to do more. You have to live safely. Is something that is is still baffling to me. Not taking chances. So I feel like. I feel like I'm in that same boat. I, I get a lot of those same things. So a lot of those, I, I almost want to call them concerns or worries because that's how they come across sometimes. But I think the thing is, is like, you know, my wife and I have decided we don't want kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, you're going to want kids. And I was like, no, like most of the women since I've been out of like high school, everyone that I've dated is just like, I don't really want kids. And if I ever really wanted a kid, I'd probably just adopt like, and so, like, the idea of, like, needing to carry on my legacy and all that shit, like, just doesn't, it's not in me. But the thing is, is, like, I feel like when people are like, well, you might change your mind. And, you know, I didn't like other kids, but then I had mine. And I'm like, I just, I don't, I'm going to say the thing that you're probably not supposed to say, like, out loud. But it's like, I'm selfish and I just want to do the shit I want to do. And, like, there are times, like, you know, I have to sometimes I have to call my district manager and, and talk to him about different stuff and I can hear his kids crying in the background and 
you know, he's like trying to have a conversation with me and he's like, no, don't do that. Don't hit your sister. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck, that sounds awful. I went and saw Bush yesterday because I had it's a Tuesday and I just wanted to. And I literally dragged my son home from the supermarket. today. (laughs) So and it's a thing where I'm not discrediting things that, you know, if that's what brings you joy and it's something that you you obviously wanted, then that's fine. But I think there becomes this weird. I get, I just come back to societal norms where I feel like it's because like it's it's how it's always been it's it's what always existed before and it's like just because that's what existed before and that's how everything was doesn't mean that's how I have to live my life exactly and I would almost question and ask you you know as someone who has a a very non traditional lifestyle between like as you're saying I'm the outcast or the weird family because we are this this and this I feel like. I feel like you're probably more I'm trying to and I'm trying to figure out the the word I want to use but I feel my, like my life is very uncomfortable is what it is. It's, well, I was going to say <laughs> I feel like every everything is a juggle. We're very lucky that Jessica's parents um help a lot. But I would say this like I feel like maybe where you're I don't feel like there's maybe Uncertainty is the word that keeps coming to my mind. I don't feel like there's uncertainty in your head. Like you're never going to potentially, you're not going to have that. What would have happened if I would have done blank? Because like you said, you've done more than most. I take, we take all the chances. We, 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 there's like difficult decisions that we've made over the years. And there was never a moment of like, but how are we going to do it? We're going to do it. We've always taken the leap. Always. And and it was in Jessica's vows when she married me. She was like, you're not going to be here all the time. We're going to make it work. And then with the pandemic and her wanting to study, we made it work. It's I found a way. It was my turn to stay home. I, I've stayed home with my daughter for a year, which is why the podcast started, Vox and Hops, because of listening to podcasts, being home with my daughter during my sabbatical with her. So, so. No, no, we've tried it all. And my, my son has long hair. And it's not because I want him to have long hair. It's because he wanted long hair. And if he doesn't want long hair, we're going to cut it. It's like there's, there's, there's no limitations to life. And I feel like living inside a box is something that I've never done well. So, so we've just pushed the limits all the time. Just, just, and my, I think my, the, the hardest pushback has been from my mother, let's say. But mm-hmm. I think that the hardest, hardest pushback that we ever got from her was our home birth. But since mm-hmm. then, everything else has been easy. <laughs> it was like from that moment that we were going to like do a midwife home birth, like everything just became much easier. And we were just, we live outside the box and it's because it makes us feel comfortable. We have a, life is interesting. So mutual friend in Dewey, um yeah who introduced us yeah yeah so he and i would talk all the time about and more so him and it's kind of where i kind of adopted the same philosophy where it's like you know the podcast medium when it works is about two people giving and taking equally um so i'm going to ask this question and i guess i'll kind of uh maybe share a similar situation to where kind of it's like i kind of give you permission maybe to share something maybe it's a little more but i feel like do you feel that when you hear people who are 
saying some of these things to you, do you feel it comes from a place where it's because they've they've never been honest with themselves and, and actually went for something themselves? No, maybe a little bit, but I think it's just they're so comfortable and they care. Something annoyed me more today, and I'm being honest. I was waiting in line to eat at my favorite pizza place downtown, Il Ficayo, um, in Phillips Square in Montreal. It's so good. They have, like, killer vegan pizza, but also, like, normal pizza, too. So good. And there's this guy, and we were there at noon because we – I was off today. I work our flexible stuff at the daycare. And um, <laughs> we went to see a play this morning about Alice in Wonderland uh, with the kids. And this guy was talking about having a live-in nanny. And that pissed me <laughs> off more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is just me judging him like crazy. But, but man, did that annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people that, that judge and, and are concerned about me, specifically the most recent one with two dishwashers. <laughs> I, love you. I love you, Tina, if you're listening. Um, no, they just care and, and they don't they 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 live they've lived their life and they're they're excited about what they're doing and they think that their life being exciting is amazing and they want me to have that same stability and they've never stood on stage. They've never experienced that reciprocal exchange of energy to the extent that I have, once again going back to me filling out that form today and looking at all those shows and there's certain shows that you forget about and you're like oh my god that and you remember like you're just seeing the the club date in the city and you remember in the year it's fucked up but um no i don't think there's any malice in it i think it's really just it's a, it's a matter of people just wanting you to feel okay too i have lots of friends they have beautiful gardens and i live in the city and they would be like oh you you should have a garden and <laughs> It's just, it's, it's, it's out of love. I know it's out of love. Second part of that, that I would ask. And I don't know if you're, I would assume your kids are at the age where you kind of can see this. Does the way that you and your wife have lived your lives together, I'll at least say, have you noticed how it's maybe positively affected your kids? I Seeing- hope so. I hope so. Like the music side of things, I think so. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see eventually. Uh, my son's really into drums. Loves that. Um, I know. Like today, as an example, we walked into the play. And we went like as a group of uh, homeschool people. And that group of homeschool fell into being a part of a school. Because it was like a school representation of the play. So there's a bunch of schools that showed up. And then the homeschool group despite the fact that we're not actually grouped together. It's just organized by one homeschool mother. So my daughter was like, why is it so loud? <laughs> and I was like, this is school. This is what it sounds like. It's, it's, mm. So that's yeah. maybe a bit of a thing that maybe she understands that, that maybe, I don't know. It's still early to, to understand she's doing grade one at this point. So, so. Um, living in the city is something that's completely different for me. I grew up in two mountains, which was a suburb outside of two mountains. I had the backyard I had. So like the first times I went downtown, I was very afraid. Mm. I like, this is a true story. I had like a backpack and I padlocked my backpack as I thought someone was going to rob me. 
<laughs> Obviously, it's not going to happen. Um, my kids take the metro, the subway. Um, yep. They they run around there. They it's their house basically. So so that's affect them affected them in a way different than my upbringing. Um, they're very social because of all the exposures that we do to them via homeschool groups and stuff that my wife has organized, but uh, and that I follow through. Um, but uh, no, no, um, it's interesting. The, the music side of stuff, like we went to Wake. Um, it's a band from Calgary. Yeah. Super yep. cool band. And uh, <laughs> I told them, maybe we'll see their sound check. But I couldn't find like their headphones like to block the sound. And the Wake dudes are really into beer. And there's like a really cool brewery next to called Harry Cannon, the venue that they played. They we go there all the time with the kids. I was like, well, worst comes to worst, we're gonna go to Harry Cannon, we'll have a French fry. I'll talk to the guys and we'll hang out a bit and then we'll go home. And they're like so disappointed they didn't watch sound check. I don't know how many kids <laughs> like don't get, get like you know are, are not stoked <laughs> that they didn't get to watch soundtrack of wake so, so <laughs> that's affected them in an interesting way but uh, musically they're they're into it it's it's cool like there's nothing that's off guard in my house i don't like not listen to metal i don't not listen to rap post rock i listen to a lot of post rock that's my rap the way you like rap i like post rock yeah. um soundtrack music well i think it's and so to kind of share like a, a for instance, as I've gotten older, I remember like in recent years, you know, my parents have found religion again and it's kind of been a separating topic. Um, It's a thing where, you know, I have, and again, going back to therapy, it's something where I kind of realized, I think a, it was, I hate minimalizing it to, to this, but it's like, it was the band aid to like for my brother who passed away, like, when he was, when I was two, it's like, it's the band aid. like, Oh, I'll see him back in when we, in the afterlife. Uh, if you were a shitty person, Oh, well, you know, I can absolve my sins and now I'm forgiven and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you're not really dealing with the things that have happened or you're done. You're just kind of putting a, a quick bandaid on it. And now you're just moving on like, okay, now I'm good. Um, and there are other facets of, of therapy that I kind of realized, you know, there were sore points for me. And so, in John, recent John, years, I'm super interesting, but I have to pee, and I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. But I don't want to cut you off because I'm like <laughs> no, listening, and I'm like not listening, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, you're good. How many times can Matt drop whatever that is? The answer we may never know. I'm jealous of Matt having a bathroom, wherever he is. I will probably have to use one soon. Apologize. Uh, Getting the Band-Aid off. Yeah, no. So it was a thing where, you know, I was talking to my dad and, you know, he, you know, being heavily tattooed, it was, that was kind of where the conversation went where he was like, you know, I just don't know, you know, if I, I don't want to say failed you, but basically it's like, I don't know what I did to 
make you feel like maybe you needed to do this or whatever, or I don't really, really know where, like, it's something so kind of, that's, that's, I'm kind of paraphrasing like hell, but like, you know, he was basically so American, like, I, I, American, but it's so like, uh, tattoo is like art, you know, like it's like, a, the, I, yeah. it's so weird. It's not like blasphemous. I don't get that. No. Well, long time ago, cause you know, their whole thing, especially in Christianity is like, you know, your body is your temple. Mm-hmm. So, the way he he phrased it once is he was like, you know, I just, and this is well before I, I had as many as I do now. And so it was a thing. Like, I remember he made the comment about like, well, I mean, you know, your body's your temple and you're kind of defiling your temple. And then I just looked at him and I was like, your temple. And I go, honor your temple. I go, can we agree that the Egyptians were probably the most like, like wanting to like everything they did was for their gods. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I go, what were the pyramids? if not a, a literally a temple to their gods and what were all over those pyramids glyphics yeah. that told the story of that person and their journey and, and, and the story of the gods and so forth. And I go, so don't look at it as I'm defiling my temple. Look at it more from that perspective where I've, I've adorned my body with stories of my life and where I was every, everything, however dumb it may be. And there are some that are definitely dumb. I can pinpoint it back. Like, you know, I was just in a, Utah, and I broke my tooth. No, and you did a tattoo of it. Amazing. So I got a tooth of a, a you know, a tooth tattoo in Utah, so to, to commemorate my broken tooth. Um, Amazing. It's dumb, but it's like you I spent like more when money I, in Utah. <laughs> sure. So it's a thing where you know I was talking about that, and you know he brought it up the tattoos again. It's uh, somewhat recently in the last like year or two, and I'd made a comment to him, and I was like, you know, being born with a cleft lip and palate. Um, being told when I'd go to get my yearly like checkups and reviews and so forth. Like, and I don't know if I, I would hope they don't do this anymore to kids when you go get like to the doctors and go get their annual checkups and so forth. Cause it, it the percent clear. Yep. Because it clearly like, has stuck totally with me because it would be like, here's normal. Yeah. Here's you. Yeah. That's my, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it became this thing where, you know, being born with a cleft lip and palate, like, you know, I was reminded of, Stories my dad would tell me of like the doctor being like, oh, your son's never going to play sports. He's never going to do these things. You know, and obviously I played all the sports and I did all the things. And it's a thing where, you know, I was telling him, I was like, you know, that mentally fucked me up for a while where it's like you're just being told from by adults, professionals. Well, you're not going to do this. You're not normal. You're not normal. You're not normal. And you're never going to be normal. So it's like, okay. So you don't, you don't feel like you belong anywhere. And then I moved from the East coast to here in the Midwest. And especially at the time, like 95, 96, like a lot culturally was happening back then here in the States, you know, music was changing, uh, going from the East coast where you're kind of near, like, I'm not going to say Delaware is a fucking hotbed for anything, but you know, we're close enough to like Philly, to New York, to Massachusetts, where people had friends and family where they would come back and bring culture to the area. And it was the thing we're moving to the Midwest. It's like, you know, I went from, I think that one of the biggest culture shocks for me was going to a school that was probably 60, 40, you know, like white to black. So then going to a school where I went the rest of my school year or school career. And there was like three black people in the entire district. Mm. Like I was real two, two mountains was like, that. and so, you know, I talk about these things. And so I, at one point, you know, getting into sports, like I did, Dennis Rodman was someone I really identified with because he just felt like he never belonged. You know, he came from, as I got to know more of his background, it's like 
who was a dude who lived in Dallas, didn't have a mom. His sisters were basketball athletes, were highly recruited. He wasn't hit a huge growth spurt, grew uh, to be like six, eight over one in one summer, basically from like five, something uh, basically grew like a foot in a year. And yeah. And then, you know, was recruited somewhat, went to college, went to community college, then gets drafted, goes to Detroit and, you know, had a coach had, you know, the dream came true. And then it's like, he had it all taken away. Cause that's just the, the politics and the business of basketball where it's like, yeah, you were successful and this seemed like a great thing, but we're going to, it's a business and we're going to, we're going to fire your coach. We're going to get rid of these players and da, 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 da. And then he goes to San Antonio after uh, attempting to commit. He's still kind of murky on that, whether he actually was going to use the shotgun and kill himself outside of the palace of Auburn Hills, but he ended up getting traded to San Antonio, dyed his hair, became the Dennis Rodman. We all know with tattoos and all that kind of stuff. And it was one of those people as a young kid that I saw when I was like, this is someone who just wants to be themselves. Yeah. Never feel like they fit in anywhere. So instead of trying to fit in, why not just embrace the weirdness, embrace not fitting in anywhere and just be who you want to be. You know, that's why when that book came out bad as I want to be, I really understood the title for what it was. I just want to be me and I'm just going to be me. And to some people that may be a bad person, but it's just me. And I told him, I, I told my dad, I was like, that's why I love that dude so much. That's what he embodies to me. That's why a lot of the, the musicians and the art that I take in that inspire me are people who just kind of did their own fucking thing. Like, you know, like I have a, like I think I talked about this before. I have a, like a leg sleeve of like different musicians and such. And it's like, you know, I have Freddie Mercury on my leg who was ostracized for his big teeth and like how he looked and all that kind of stuff. Now is arguably known worldwide as one of the greatest singers of all time. Steve Perry. A lot of people think oh, he looked yeah. kind of weird, whatever. I got Steve Perry. Don't stop believing, man. Killer like, and I mean, even down to like Kanye, it's like some people might be like, why the fuck do you have Kanye? I even got people that are like, you're going to regret that down the road. And I still like, I may not agree with what he talks about as a person, but I still can't not believe the same things that made me fall in love with him where he, he knew so much that he wanted to be a rapper and he found a back way to do it, which was through producing and just wouldn't take no for a fucking answer and built everything on his own work ethic. And just became unapologetically himself. How can you not identify with that if you're the outside outside the box weirdo? Mm. I'm just going to make my own path. And I feel like at times, you know, and I explained that to my dad. I was like, I, I love people who have made their way through unconditional means, unconventional means. Because I feel like that's where we've always been internally. We never felt like we fit in. So why not embrace that and make that like our super strength, our superhero characteristic trait where it's like, yeah, I know I'm weird. So I'll just be weird and just be me because it's all I've known. I don't know when I fit in. I don't feel like I ever fit in in high school for sure. And and earlier this year, I tried to, there's like stupid goals that you set, right? Mm -hmm. I want to speak at my high school. It's like such okay. a stupid goal. But I want to do it. So, so I had the, like, the, the ball rolling, and I just never picked it up again. I like, mm. had the principal in my email thread. And I never, he was like interested in doing it. I had like this big article that came out this year from like a big Quebec news um, called Urbania uh, that this guy followed me to a show and just hung out with me for a day. Anyways, um, but I was weird in high school, and, and it took a long time 
to feel comfortable in my own skin. I don't know when it happened. I don't feel like it's maybe just recently. I feel like mm. Vox and Hops helped a lot. I feel like I was very awkward with people, very self-conscious. I feel like I was doing well when like Three Mile Scream was starting. The Unspoken King really cut my steam a lot. I got really shat on hard. And I feel like it took me a long time, probably a decade, probably to pick up confidence again to 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 not be cocky, but be feel confident in what I'm. You read presenting. the comments. I read the comments. <laughs> I I will most probably read the comments <laughs> when we drop the new shit too, but I'm trying not to. We'll see. I did not read the comments when we announced the nuclear blast, but we'll see. we'll we'll see. But. <laughs> There's, there's, it's, it's weird, eh? It's, it's, why do we read the comments? <laughs> it's just like, well, well we, they could do a research paper about why we read the comments for sure. There's, there's a research paper just waiting to be written, written on that subject alone. Why do artists or people in general read the comments when they're proud about something? Because here's why. And I think I can literally boil it down to this simple statement. It's because any of the negative comments are subconscious thoughts that you, you, I don't want to say it's necessarily imposter syndrome, but there's something in you that when you read a negative comment, you're just like, well, they know. <laughs> They've discovered me. <laughs> yeah. They, they figured me out. They know that I'm full of shit. Um, or maybe it's a thing where on a slate, and, and this is kind of something I've, I've taken from a different perspective that potentially it's, low-key like a weird like Self thing where you <laughs> no i think it becomes this thing where sometimes when you read a negative comment and you let it get to you it's because you are proud of what you've done you see the growth and and all the work that went into it and for someone to anonymously typically belittle what you do it allows you to kind of fire back at them and prove to yourself i guess that you are not that thing um, well, rule, rule number one is don't read the comments. Rule yeah, number I two know. is never respond. I've yeah. never respond. I've never responded to a comment unless it's about your. Actually, what would have been really, about my artist spotlight? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say what would have been really funny is if you're like, actually, it, the rates went up a little bit now that you posted this. Yeah, and I was super nice. No, no, I was I was super nice, and he wasn't even from this initial um, pooling yep. of. Uh, <laughs> Because I looked into that. <laughs> Come on, I got a podcast. The podcast doesn't make itself. Come on. No. I I do think that that's the interesting thing too. Is uh, I'm low key jealous of people, like and kind of going behind, like back into uh, behind, like talking shop, talking baseball, how the sausage is made. You know, it's interesting too. Like there are times Dewey and I have talked where. You know, like when I was getting actually the graphic that's around here and the stuff I use for the show graphic. Very nice. Um, I, like, I like the rebrand. Yeah, I mean, that's all thanks to Porter. I actually, this sort of runs into my love of hip hop because I was like, you know what? Like, I love Run DMC's logo. It's real yeah. easy. It's simple. It's easy to read. Uh, it's classic. It's timeless. Yeah, I, like, I like the I like the rebrand. Yeah. And uh, some of the other things that we found were happy accidents, uh, as Bob Ross would say. Um, but it was a thing where. You know, I had asked too. He was like, "Oh, how much did it cost for you to do the rebrand?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm on the label. The label just had you know the artist do it for me, and I don't know. They, they paid him." And I was just like, "Well, don't 
you can't tell me that I need to take my shit seriously and, and focus my money where it needs to be when like you have a label that literally took care of this thing for you. Like I have to come up with this money uh, on my own. So like, that's not entirely the same thing. Um, but I mean, like, I think that was also a really interesting eye opening thing too. When I had a, uh, when I was sort of being scouted uh, by sound talent uh, or I should say when Dewey put the show in front of uh, Shapiro and was a thing where, you know, having him tell me like show is good. Da, 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 like that was all the validation I really needed. Like, even if he didn't pick up the show and he never does, or no one ever does, it's like the dude listened to it and was like, yeah, like this is like of a, like it's on the level that we would put it out. And like, to me, that was enough. You should put like, them again because they probably pick you up now. Oh, my numbers are fucking abysmal after the uh, pandemic. <laughs> Is that true? Laugh laughably bad. Like, feel like there's a big change. Yeah. So w it's weird. Like, and like this is the thing where like I. Okay, this might be my worst beer I've had out of the three. What is that? Yeah, yeah. You didn't even introduce it at all. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> I also uh, snuck a third one in there, though. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Oatmeal Raisin Milkshake Stout from the Rochester Mills uh, uh, Holiday Pack they put out every year. Uh, gotcha. milk, the 12 Days of Milkshake Stout. Uh, not really I'm good. Drinking a pills. I'm drinking a pills from Navarat City, where I went to uh, with Chris Johnson because he's producing Atrebiris, which is a brewery, uh, which is a band, sorry, which is a band from BC, uh, which were Fox and Hops alumni. He's switching beers, switch the beers. So now, yeah, I'm switching beers now because that was terrible. I'm not going to drink it. Um, so I'm going to go with a different one. Uh, it's from a band Winterfall. Uh, oh, they were nice. supposed to, they were supposed to come on the podcast, Black especially because they had put, nice. yep, they are supposed to come on and they just never did. So they sent me beer and a t-shirt and it's whatever. There you go. I like those beers. Yeah, I would get a um, lot more of those beers if I lived in the United States. <laughs> it's actually people are really trepidatious about sending spirits uh, and beers, and I'm like, well, it's, I literally, it's illegal. It's, it's illegal, and we will not talk about encouraging yeah. people doing yeah. it, John. But they can send us snow globes, <laughs> or you know, canned preserves, or pickle pickles, or uh, what else have I seen people talk about doing? Snow uh, globes not, work well, and I find it funny. <laughs> I think my favorite is that uh, I have friends in the military and I send uh, them canned Shampoo. seltzers. Canned seltzers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, sodas. Yeah, seltzers and, and sodas uh, that they can't get where they're stationed at. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, like, it's been really weird because, like, pre-pandemic, pre kind of at the height of the show, we were pulling in. Or I should. I always say we, and it's me. Um, another <laughs> another weird thing that we do, where you're like, it's we, and you're like, it's yeah, literally me. It's the brand, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was pulling in close to like probably seventeen on average. About I would say like a good average is about like just under eighteen thousand downloads a month. And yeah. yeah, for me, and then like where I think the show started being better, like longer chats instead of it being, instead of it being like 20, 30 minute press junket type shit, uh, went to more of like a, a, an actual conversation with, you know, I would think a consistently better set of guests, uh, consistently. And then like right before the pandemic and when the pandemic hit, it's like, it just dropped off hard where, like, to the point where I'm like, where did like 14,000 people go? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like that'd be like playing, like it's like the Motley Crue effect where I'm like, I'm playing arenas and I can't even fill them. And now I can barely fill a fucking club. <laughs> like how did, like, where did everyone go? And people, like the weirder part is dri- people are not driving to work. Is that it? Well, and that was what Dewey that's, was that's what I told myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dewey had kind of said, he goes, I think it's more of like touring went away. So people don't want to hear band stuff when there's not an album or a tour to really get excited about. And I said, yeah, but like if the show, like I go, but that would be like all pe- like people not listening to your show. Cause it's all music based. And he goes, well, yeah, I had like an uptick sort of in, in, uh, listenership at that point. Cause like people just had time at home to listen to stuff. So I was like, so again, I don't know. I don't really get a lot of feedback a lot of the time. So I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. I still don't. Um, and it's been a thing where, I feel there like are Dewey and uh, Doc Coyle and Jasta. They have the the staple. The yeah, the names and that people listen to. So I guess, and so it's just a thing where a lot of times, like in the last couple of years, it's it's been almost going back to where the show started. Where it's like I'm just doing it for me. Like at this point, like I, don't, I mean, the the numbers or whatever. Like I'm back into probably like maybe like 500 ish like in a month i'll probably pull about like 2500 in a month so but i mean like still that's like almost like a 14000 like 1400 you know 14000 person mm-hmm. drop off and it's like that's a fuckload of people that just stop listening um i wish i could figure out where they went or what happened or what i could do to get them back but it's a thing where it's like okay like you know and again as Dewey has said okay if three four hundred people were to show up to your fucking like a venue dude that the way he told me those exact words and it's been resonating in my mind like anytime i look at any stats that i got there it's his words that resonate in my mind imagine you have this conversation you open your back door and this amount of people show up it feels good that that's 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 amazing and i will say like the one thing that I've kind of have always preached, like there was someone that commented on a couple of YouTube videos the other day. They were like, how have, how are there not any more views on this? And yes. I, was like, I feel like YouTube is tough. Though. Yeah. I feel like it's funny. Cause like sometimes the YouTube, like there are some that I know will do that are crush on YouTube. And I know like the actual episode, not going to do super great, but then there are also the adverse where it's like something kills on the audio and then the video version just flops. And Depends it's like, how it's shared, right? It's like, I always sure. push people to my website. I want the guests to share the website. Which See, I, I was on this thing and I've kind of maybe shot myself in the foot, but, and I feel like just such an old man being like, Oh, get off my lawn type shit. But <laughs> it becomes this thing where, you know, I was trying to do the TikTok thing. I was trying to do the Instagram reels. I was trying to create content and like clip out little parts that I thought were cool. Yeah. And then I'd be like, why <laughs> 13, 13 people watch this over the course of a week or like on TikTok, it's like, you know, you'd see a couple hundred people would look at it, but then it's not pushing the needle of the downloads. And at the end of the day, I still keep coming back to, if it doesn't make someone listen to the episode, then it's just detracting them. Like that's all I care about. That's all I want. And if it doesn't bring someone there, then I don't care. Like, cool. So you watched a snippet of my thing. If you didn't listen to the rest of the conversation, then I feel like the thing that I spent time on failed. And that's probably a really weird way of looking at it, but it just feel like it's honest where it's like the goal is listen to the whole episode. So maybe by 
and oddly, it seems like when I stop doing all the reels and I stop doing all the extra social media shit, it seems like my numbers have kind of hopped up a little bit more. And I wonder if it's because literally you have to listen to it to figure out what's being talked about or said in there. Maybe. If you're interested yeah. in the guest, you're going to go check it out. I've come back to on that. It takes so much time, social media. It's such a pain in the fucking ass. I put a quote what? and I put a clip <laughs> and that's fucking it per episode. Yeah. And I and I've like now that I like have like my pattern as I'm editing the episode, I pull out both of those things and then I just like have to build the framework of, of the post and it's amazing. Yeah. I feel like uh something I feel like I try to do a lot more in my life too is create templates for things so I can just oh, breeze through I have, stuff. I, I have like a fucking text file like folder on my computer of all my it's 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 copy paste. <laughs> it's amazing. Even the emails you send out to guests. Okay, here's what I need you to do. <laughs> uh, that that is true. That that is true. That 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 that, that I've been doing for a long time. But like recently like guests um I get pitched so much and I'm just like, I keep pushing them farther and farther away. <laughs> and like now, like when I'm supposed to be booking, I might be on tour. So I'm like, don't want to book them. So I, I, I some, when I had Dewey on and we did like a joint thing two years ago, he couldn't believe how far out I was booking. Yeah. And it's worse now. It's like fucking worse. It's like six months. It's stupid. <laughs> So so I, I think I'm just going to like pretend I'm on tour and just talk to whoever the fuck I want to talk to on the podcast. I want to do that. Like, like I've, I've cut down. To, I used to book two days a week. Yep. And I, now I have one. And then it ends up being two days a week as things roll up as the schedule goes. But like tomorrow I'm talking to Dave Ellefson, which I never expected to do. And... That's because I had like a slot just kept open. I'll Please nice don't, uh, don't ask I'll be me. Nice to him. I'll be nice to him. I'm so no. tired of seeing that. <laughs> I don't want to know what, what I do want to ask him. I will ask him these two questions, which are shitty. Is, is, <laughs> is, is being tired of being the identity of the guy from Megadeth. And the second shitty question is his opinion about the press that want to get that shitty question. So it's interesting. Cause like, cause I, I mean, we can ask the, or we can talk about this. Cause I, I think sometimes it's interesting. There is a, there is a show. Uh, I was friends with this person and uh, long and short of it. I was literally going to sit down and talk to Jonathan Davis on his solo oh, tour. And then the publicist called me like two minutes before he was supposed to hop on and was like, yeah, it's not happening. He's and done. I was like, and I was like, okay, well, um, yeah, let's just reschedule it. And he goes, no, no, it, it's just not going to happen now. Um, and I was like, oh, all right. And I had told this person about it. And then I had heard through the grapevine that someone else is like, why the fuck did he get it? I should have gotten it. And then I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, it's not a fucking competition, dude. Uh, and was a thing where listening to him, this person also was the person that taught me how to shop quotes to the different sites. Yeah. Now the difference is, is like, obviously I know like when someone says something salacious and I'm like, Oh, but like a lot of times it just happens to come up. Is that something the, you do? Do you, do you, do you I used to send quotes? I used to. I've never, I've never done that. Um, 
but it would be a lot of like, mouth is pretty good at just finding them. Yeah. Well, I've, and yeah, <laughs> and I've learned that once you're on everyone's radar, they'll find things like there's some, there's some stuff that still gets pulled sometimes. Like uh, I had a uh, Davey and uh, um, Haley from pop evil on. Cause Davey's like the homie and lives here. And I get, cause I have email notifications about like if the show gets talked about or whatever. So I can like be like, Hey, thanks for sharing yeah. or whatever. Um, and like, I think a week or two after I posted the episode, I get a notification that like, I think Loudwire had posted that Haley had to get a job or was like talking about how hard it was for her during the pandemic. And I was like, really? That's okay. I mean, I don't think that's a headline, but sure. All right, whatever. Thanks. Um, so there's things like that where it still happens. Um, and I definitely don't send anything, but a lot of times like mine would be like, like, it's funny because sometimes I would send like, oh, here's so-and-so talking about like a possibly doing an anniversary tour of an album. Yes. Something and then, newsworthy. Sure. And then like I'd send that and then it'd be like uh, something else where they're talking like something completely unrelated to that. And I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I picked the wrong headline. <laughs> That's so funny. So um, I've, never, I've never done that. It's interesting. So, but it's funny because that person tends to check my shit out there if I, and I've seen that happen. But it's, it's interesting because like I had learned at times, like when I would, when I would go through before and I would actually write out my full, like when I was doing those 20, 30 minute press junkets, I would write out my questions and I would go like, Oh, here's a great question. Now that's not really a first question. You kind of got to warm someone up before you ask something like that. Okay. Uh, build around the question. Someone's creative writing. So then I realized I was creating essentially a whole conversation before I even talked to the person. And that's not normal. That's not natural. That's not what I do though. (laughs) No. So I ended up stopped doing that. But in that I learned the other thing too, is that this person I'm talking about, he asked those clickbait headline things, oh, yeah. but they'll just come out of nowhere. Like, it'll be like, you're talking about like, we're talking about your kids and taking them to kindergarten or whatever. And then it's like, you know, I'm only going to Dave Mustaine. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah. And so like, it just comes out of left field and you're like, Oh my God, dude, that was so obvious that that's what you're trying to do with this. Um, so I realized I never wanted to be that no, obvious about no. it. <laughs> but the flip side of that is the question I would ask, Dave, if I ever had him on, and I'm sure I could probably get him, but I just don't know how, because I would ask this from the perspective of like, I just want to know as a, as a person to a person, but I know the the thing is, if I were to ask this, it'd be really shitty because there's just no way of asking it without being like talking and bringing up a shitty thing, but it'd be like, so in the day and age that we live in now with, where basically anything can be used against you in an online forum. So like, you know, someone was like, I was reminded someone was shared a screenshot of somebody else's the other day at my job. And, and someone's like, Oh, and try playing it off. Like they didn't know that I had already seen their text to this other person. Cause I didn't tell them I had, and I'm like, hundred percent. Like, like someone once was like, well, how would you like it? If someone shared yours, your screenshot of what you said. And I go, well, I would just tell that fucking person. I would own it up to it. First of all, like chances are though, I've also said these things to that person. So it wouldn't come as a giant shock, but I just assume anyone will screenshot anything for I, leverage I, I, at any I, point. I think that it's because we are, we are younger and in this day and age. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. And so my question would be to him, you know, obviously, what happened and i would you know when i would phrase it this way where i'm not going to be fucking shitty about it but i'd be like obviously the thing that happened to you happened to you now when it happens 
Obviously, this is a, a huge breach of trust. It's a, possibly a lot of other things. What goes through your mind when it's happening that something that was very private between two people now is shared across the board for everyone to see and to, to judge you and to ridicule you and all that? How do you overcome that as a person? Uh-huh. Because that is that is something so intimate and private, no pun intended, between two people that I just don't understand what it's like to to have to go through that. And I'm sure that moment that he like realized what happened there, he was not happy. <laughs> I'm sure it was like <laughs> pure but the, panic, like pure sure, panic. sure. But like it becomes this thing where, you know, I would say by and large, anyone I know that's ever met the dude, it's he's the nicest guy, the most giving so, guy, the most so generous nice. guy with his time and all that kind of stuff. That it's like now your whole public persona has been changed from one event over the court, and it changed the whole dynamic of your what 30, 40 year career. Do, Especially do you, because it happened in this modern day and age of the internet. Yeah. And it's like, does it, does it end up tarnishing his reputation? I don't think so. Tarn- oh, I don't think I necessarily think people tarnishing are gonna, his- People are going to forget after so many years. They're making that they're going to bring him back. You, you know, this is going to happen. You think so? A hundred percent. Do you Do really they- think that what, what ended up happening I think was, money talks, and, and, and it's going to be 10 years, seven years down the line, the final tours, he's going back 100%. Fair enough. It's, it's just, just one of those things talks. where, I, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things to me where I, I just feel like, because then the flip side of it would be because obviously, you know, he was let go. Uh, Maybe, do, do you think reasons. they wanted to get rid of him and this just made it feel easy I don't know I, I mean again those are the awkward conversations that we keep seeing the headlines I'm definitely not of. asking any of those questions because honestly I'm not a Megadeth fan and I don't fucking care but my question would I be I want to talk to him about him his identity and his life and sure my, my last question on that would just simply be you know you you had already left the band once before and it seemed like it never you were never coming back. Seems that way now. Do you feel like in light of how everything transpired where you rejoin the band down the line? I'll definitely ask f- him if, if he'll do a final tour. There you go. Because I'll I think like to me that. that would showcase and I think would be more the human side of things, which I would like to know, which is obviously people change, as we have said. Mm-hmm. And that if there really was a connection and a friendship there, then it should be able to be mended over time. And even if there isn't a friendship, (laughs) there's money, (laughs) there's not money, but the connection to the music and the, the legacy of what he's helped build. Yeah. The, the, the the friendship is, is, is (laughs) Dave Mustaine's hard to be a friend with. I think maybe, I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. It's interesting, but like, it's, it's a thing where sometimes I feel like I, for a guess like that, I feel like it'd be very hard for me not to want to broach that subject just as a as a person talking to another person. I'm definitely I know myself, I'm definitely gonna ask him if he'll do like if if there's enough money. Not the money, the money doesn't matter. He's not gonna say yes to that. But like the legacy of, of his contribution to the band. Yeah. 
I'm going to poke him about that for sure. Those are the three things about Megadeth. Everything else is going to be about his new band that I am less interested about. But the fact that the band is a little bit more intense is also interesting. It's funny because like it, this situation sort of reminds me of when I got into a lot of hot water over having one of Phil and Samuel's band members on my uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? You, you might have remembered this headline. <laughs> Again, this wasn't one I shopped. This just was found. Uh, found footage. Um, I was talking to Blue, their drummer for Phil and, Phil and Samuel and the Illegals. Yeah. And he was actually, I think, getting his like vehicle worked on or something or like the band or I don't know, something. He was at a somewhere where he just was stuck there because his shit was getting worked on. And so toward the end, I was just like, so I have a question and like, you don't have to answer this, you know, if you don't want to. But like as someone who just tries to think about what it'd be like to be in someone else's shoes for a little bit, you know, obviously the thing happened with Phil that everyone knows about that everyone's upset about, which was the dime bash thing. And again, I'm, I'm very good at saying like the thing, but like not addressing. Yeah, so like even, even like when I had even like when I had Tim Ripper Owens on and I was like, you know, I wanted to ask about was he receiving a lot of shit for uh, John Schaefer at the Capitol riots? Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then he like mentioned John by name. I didn't mention the, the thing by like name. And I was like, all right. I mean, I was I mean, I was trying to be like courteous and just not say it, but like get you to understand what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, sure. Um and so it was a thing where, because I, I mean, like I said, I, these are things I think about. And so I had made the comment to, to Blue and I was like, when all that happens, what goes through your mind where this dude's just being like taken to town and you're in three different bands with him? Are you like, shit, my career is over and I had nothing yeah, to do with yeah. it? You're riding his coattails. <laughs> and it became this thing where he was like, you know, I think it's horseshit. Uh, like, you know, if Phil was a interesting take on it but he was like if it was a fucking racist why does he have a his words like i think he said a wet back a spick and something else in his band Jesus. and then i was like i mean uh but then he was and then i was like keep oh going. keep saying sure. words yeah <laughs> yeah no and he did and then like the thing was is i remember like obviously everyone picked up and ran that fucking the the whole paragraphs of like what he was saying but I think like that's the thing is like it came from a, a genuine place of wonderment of like what does it look like when your whole career could go down the fucking crapper and you literally did nothing wrong. You did you had nothing to do with it. You're just by proximity with this person and you happen to be in three different bands with him like your whole livelihood's gone and tarnished. Like, what does that look like? Do you do you fear for your career like being as a touring musician where we know that like especially at that point they're not playing stadiums they're not playing with fucking metallica like the best thing that they got was on that now well he's not (laughs) yeah he is yeah but like it was a thing where you know he had talked about that and then like the next day i get an email from the publicist like hey you need to take any mention of phil out of your like episode descriptions and i was like i'm sorry that phil named the whole fucking band his whole name (laughs) like his whole the band name was philip agent selma and the illegals like and also the damage is done. <laughs> like, what yeah. do you want me to do about it? And I just remember like, uh, I, I think, uh, blue had texted me or whatever. And was like, cause they were, they were on tour at that point, I think actually. And he was like, Phil actually was like, he's not upset. He's actually, you know, really thankful that, you know, you, we had a 
platform to to speak my truth and you know who I think you know who Phil is as a person and da 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 da. And I was like, well, that's good. I'm glad he's not mad at you. And then I had had a conversation with uh, Matt from King Parrot like the next day Love after that. that. Yeah, great dude. Love and. Him. I had kind of asked him something similar just cause I was like, you know, you guys live, you're not even here in the States. So like a lot of your career is based on being signed to house core yeah. and the touring opportunities that Phil can, can drum up for you guys. Same thing. Were you worried that like now some of your international traveling or international touring capabilities would be taken away because of your proximity to house core and Phil. And, you know, he answered the question honestly. And then I got a message from Matt that was like, please take that part out. I don't want to be involved. Like, because they were on tour yeah. at that point. And yeah. he was just like, yeah, I don't want to like get any of this yeah. fucking shit because it is a shit storm right now on this tour. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, sorry. I had like a, a just a question. I guess I'll, I'll kind of leave because it seems like you're uh, having to get ready to go. Um, so I'll leave you with this question. What is, is there something that was said on your show where you had asked a question and it got someone into some trouble. Don't have once. to mention names only once that you had to uh, apologize for long. No, I didn't have to apologize, but I did have to cut out a whole section and it's only happened from once from a longtime friend about longtime friends that she used to be in a band with and people that listen, will figure that out. Um, I respect it and I cut it out because it was a big artist and I was stoked to finally have her on the podcast. I wish that the section she had said was on the podcast. It was cool. It was, uh, it was heavy. <laughs> and, and then like more things that the, the, the manager like asked, it's the only time it's ever happened that a manager asked me to cut stuff out, but they wanted to listen to it before it was aired. And they like gave me like time codes that I had to cut. Uh, it was it was a great episode, and it, it's in my mind I've I've heard it all. There's a second time which me and Ollie were way too drunk, uh, but that whole episode is gone, and we had to re-record it. <laughs> I think most recently, sometimes I think that's the other thing too is having integrity to know when something should come out. Uh, I, I, cut, did, I cut a lot of that stuff out, a lot. Yeah, I ended up doing that for my Sergio from now X Deftones. Uh, we were having a the episode as you heard it, as I put it out, was what I wanted. There yeah. was a weird about 20 minutes toward the very end where he went into and, you know, the person I was talking about that uh, gets all the headlines and creates them. He broke the this, the news that I didn't take that I cut out because uh, I always am usually when I do press, I'll say I want them first or I want them last because I want them to be excited and they haven't been beaten down. Or they know it's the last one they're doing, so they're kind of refreshed again, yeah. second wind. And so I got the first one, and we were talking about finding yourself through community and music and, and just having a great conversation about all these things. And then out of nowhere, he just starts talking about his split with Deftones and how Chino was trying to get him to join the band when he was filling in like a decade or so before and contract disputes and all this shit. And I was like, and then I realized, cause like we can see us doing yeah. this. And I realized that like in my head, I was like, I don't give a shit about this. How the fuck did we get here? And I was like, did I ask him? Like, I'm literally like having this internal monologue yeah. of like, did I ask him any of this? And then I look up and I realize that you can just see probably like me thinking and not listening to him. And I was like, Oh shit, I got to look at it. Like I'm interested in this. Yeah. Um, and then I was just trying to find ways to segue out of it. And he would just keep bringing it back to like dirt with the Deftones. And I'm like, this is why Dude, I, there. yeah. Yeah, and I was like, dude, I don't care. 
I don't, I don't want this in here. And it was real fucking awkward. And then I was just like, all right, well, see you later, boy. We got to go. <laughs> but like, that was one of the few times I had, yeah, I had to be like, and when we were done, I was just like, I don't think I want that in there. Can I cut around it? Always. Well, sometimes when you bring up something and it kind of keeps when it's like brought up in the shit that you want to cut out, you and can then always you just record your side and just guide the conversation. I've done that. I've done. I have a hundred percent. I just literally did that because anyway, I'm not going to tell you why, but I went to a friend's birthday party and the episode was use, useless because I had a good time and kept having a good time. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, in wrapping up, uh, a fun thing I like to do to kind of close out the episodes, uh, obviously, well, you don't know this maybe, but one of our sponsors is Rockabilia. Yeah. You know, they have a, a ton of band merch. And so a fun thing I've been doing uh, is like a segment for them to kind of post on our socials because it's a fun story. Let's I usually on. like to ask, what is your favorite piece of band merch? Either that you have or had. I've had a killer Mr. Bungle shirt. It was yellow, which was like so not metal, right? But with like the California mm, art. What a great 100%. record. 100%. Love it. Yeah. I hope Rockabilly has that. If not, then this is useless for you. But no, but I can find it online, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I love I love, I love, love that shirt. It was amazing. And the, the California is amazing. It's it's just the best Mr. Bungle record for myself. It, it, it's got everything you want. It's got crooning, uh, Mr. Uh, Mike, Mike Patton. It's got the, the, the weirdness, um, the retro vertigo. One of my favorite songs ever. I'm trying to, and I think it was the single, uh, cause I'm going to look at it up now. Cause you know, I hate that thing where everyone's like, Oh, you got the fucking song wrong. Um, no, no, I was right. Pink cigarette. What oh, a fucking, picture, yeah. that yeah. fucking video. Yeah. Oh, what a great fucking video, no. man. It's funny. I, it's so weird. Like, uh, kind of speaking to therapy and stuff like that, I've kind of also been leaning more into like realizing when life kind of, you'll think about something and you're like, Oh, that's weird. I thought about that today. And then like life will kind of bring it yeah. back to you. So time. I was actually, I was just thinking about, cause, uh, I saw Spencer from a uh, periphery, yeah. uh, was at the sick new world thing, posted the Mr. Bungle, uh, footage from sick yeah. new world. And I was like, Man, I need to see them one day, but like it kind of sucks that they're only doing like the EP and the newer stuff they're working on, which is fine. But like, I would like to hear some stuff from you know, don't get me started on Mr. Bungle and then I know the good shit. They're only doing that old shit. Don't don't get me started. I know. So I it's a thing, the old school. I want to see old school Mr. Bungle. I don't want to sure. see new shit. I'm but sorry. it's a thing where, uh, like I've been thinking a lot about Mr. Bungle the last couple of days since that post, and I was like thinking today. Actually, yesterday I was thinking of, I was listening to Pink Cigarette because I was or I watched the video. I want that. I, I, like, I don't. I don't. I don't want thrash, Mister Bungle. I want. No. Fuck, Jesus Christ! Go play Anthrax. Don't play Mister Bungle. Don't get me started. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's weird that like in the last like three to four days, like Mister Bungle has been like almost every day. There's something where I'm like Mister yes. Bungle. I want Disco Volante. I want. I want. I. I don't want. Anyway, what a great band. Put of it course. There. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a uh, John. Another... Thank you so so much. This yeah. has been amazing. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for sharing three I beers, three and a half beers. Yes, I didn't even pronounce uh, pills from <laughs> yeah. Labara City. Uh, it's a Czech uh, Zveti Lezvak, five uh, percent. It was amazing. 
And uh, where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug up? Voxandhops.com, cryptopsy.ca. Go check it out. The new Cryptopsy is coming out soon. There will be lots of announcements of that in early July. From what I've heard so far, we have a full-length album, 37 minutes of pure Cryptopsy coming in your direction. Vox and Hops drops at least one episode a week, voxandhops.com. Hang out with fellow metal musicians who talk about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. John, thank you so, so much. This is a pleasure. So that was my conversation with Matt again of Cryptopsy, again of Vox and Hops. Uh, Cryptopsy obviously announced that they signed to Nuclear Blast Records. Uh, congrats to Matt and the guys. Obviously, what a you know legendary label. Um, you know, it's interesting. I always, I always find it interesting as bands kind of traverse their career and go to, you know, different labels and, and kind of come back to some labels and so forth that, you know, what does it mean to come back to such, some of these iconic labels, uh, and to kind of continue your own story while adding to the legacy of a label, like, you know, Roadrunner may not be what it used to be, but for someone like myself, who's almost 40, Roadrunner was kind of that label. Century Media, you know, Nuclear Blast. These are certain labels that mean a lot in the the metal community. And just like, you know, like Face Down Records and a lot of, you know, Trustkill and uh, Ferret and some of these others for like metal and hardcore uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And even some of like your Solid State or your Bridge Nine and stuff like that for like your Christian uh, records and so forth, Christian metal records. I do wish in hindsight I would have asked Matt a little bit more about, you know, what does it mean to be an artist that's signed to Nuclear Blast or even, you know, just in general signing with a label because I think there is a little bit of, for someone of our ages, uh, Matt and myself, I do think that there's still a lot of weight that gets held in being signed to a label, especially one of the ilk of a, of a nuclear blast. And, and even, you know, back with century media and stuff like that, like these are labels that have stood the test of time. They are labels that hold a certain place for metal heads and so forth. You know, as I was just kind of alluding to, like these are legendary record labels and I'm sure to sign with them still means something, even if it's not necessarily in the day and age, like it used to be where you're signing big, you know, I guess with the caveat, you know, back in the day when you were signing big quote unquote uh, record deals where you were getting, you know, advances and record sales were, you know, a lot more prominent in the physical uh, media days and age. But I still think it means something uh, when you sign with some of these labels. And I, and I kind of wish I would have asked Matt a little bit more about what did it mean to sign to such a legendary label? Um, I am interested to see what, you know, the album ends up being called and kind of digging into it from a lyrical perspective. Uh, obviously during our chat, uh, a couple of times it was very obvious that Matt was very, you know, had thought this out, uh, is very proud of what he's done with this and is understanding the long play that he has to do, you know, media like this podcast and, and a lot of others. Uh, and we'll probably be asked a lot about what does the concept of this album mean, the the lyrics that inspired or the things that inspired the lyrics as a whole. And it's one of those where, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of hear someone that, you know, thought that much in advance about what they wanted to do and put into their art. And, you know, I have said plenty of times that there are a lot of bands in, in metal, unfortunately, where I feel like the singer kind of gets left behind because metal is sort of this riff or these blast beats or whatever. And by and large, I think most musicians and most fans of the music, probably the vocals are 
the last thing anyone's really paying attention to. And it's got to be a little bit disheartening. Like, you know, I, I kind of brought it up to Fox uh, the few times that he's been on with See you Next Tuesday stuff and Boar and all that, where it's like, does it bother you that like you're writing and taking the time to like bring certain lines back to carry narrative over into to bring these things to light? knowing that most of the people probably aren't going to read your lyrics and probably have no idea what you're saying anyway. And it is one of those that I do hope people take the time uh, when this record drops, whenever that is, to to go through, read the lyrics, and, and kind of understand what Matt's going to say, or Matt is saying, I should say. And it's... Um, yeah, it's uh, something I'm looking forward to. Um, it seems like the band's <laughs> been, you know, reinvigorated uh, in recent years and, you know, obviously doing a full length for the first time in a long time. Uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, what the band's putting out and, you know, just to maybe see Matt. Uh, that's kind of the fun thing of doing this sometimes is getting to, you know, know people through a podcast or do the podcast and kind of befriend some people. But, you know, I'd love to hang out with Matt and actually have a beer and, and kind of uh, just bullshit. Um, it's super easy to do to talk to. And uh, if you liked this episode and you're not familiar with Vox and Hops, which I don't know how you could be, but if for some reason you're not, go check out his show. There are over 400 episodes uh, ranging all kinds of different guests from all over everywhere. Um, and Matt very much like this episode was and what, like we talked about where it's not an interview, it's just a conversation with friends basically over beers. And I mean, that's when the podcasting medium is the best in my opinion is when it's not an interview. It's just kind of everyone giving themselves and just kind of being present. Um, so I want to thank Matt again for taking the time. Uh, I know he had to put his kids down and then basically it was time away from his wife. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of, of her and him uh, taking the time to chat and also my wife uh, for the time I didn't spend with her uh, doing this chat. Um, to start wrapping up this episode, if you would like to keep up with Cryptopsy, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cryptopsy Official. Uh, I didn't find a Twitter page for Cryptopsy. I kept seeing people tag the band, but like not with an actual like account. So I don't think they have a, a Twitter account. Um, if you'd like to keep up with Matt, you can find him at Vox and Hops on Instagram and Twitter, uh, as well as Facebook. Uh, go check out his podcast. Like I said, over 400 episodes, always something brewing, pun intended, uh, over there with beer, collabs, all kinds of crazy, crazy things. Uh, like I said, Matt is probably one of the most hardworking podcaster, musician people ever that I've met. Um, just listen to the show and follow his socials and you'll completely understand what I'm saying. Um, and for this podcast, if you'd like to keep up with us, you can find us simple enough at Bruce speak pod on all your social media platforms. Want to shout out our podcast sponsors, Rockabilia. Don't forget to use our code brew 10 at checkout. Take 10% off your total purchase order and starving artist brewery. I love their slogan and I really try to apply it to so many other facets of things, not just this and both what slogan says, but you know, we should judge beer, not people. And I definitely have been trying to be more cognizant of that uh, very lately. It's kind of almost become a mantra of like trying not to judge people uh, or different circumstances maybe than we understand outside of our own um, and just kind of being humble, um, which we'll kind of get into a lot more of that with the next conversation, the next episode. Uh, so for the Brutally Speaking podcast, I am John and I will talk to you all next time where my guest is the returning Andrew Wells of Idola of Dance Gavin Dance. Uh, another like two hour chat. Basically we cover a lot of health, mental health, uh, fitness also get into a little bit of Idola news, some DGD news. Um, it's a standard conversation between Andrew and myself. Uh, very much looking forward to getting that one out to you guys. I will see you all next time.
Enjoy your week.